0: Alright, uh, good evening everyone. My name is Dave Cronin, city engineer and I'm here with uh, city staff members uh, Dustin Smith, Allie Weems and Josephine Gonzalez. We will work aside, uh, alongside Pat Colette, Collette, the chair, to facilitate the m- uh, meeting proceeding. Tonight this meeting is being recorded and broadcast live on the city's YouTube channel and public access cable channel 25 during the meeting when you are not participating please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found on the lower left hand side of the zoom menu next to the video icon when you are muted a red line will appear over the icon. Muting your microphone during the meeting will make it easier for everyone to hear. You'll just have to remember to unmute if and when you want to speak. In some cases, we may mute or unmute people as needed to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name and title for the benefit of those listening remotely. You can turn your video on and off by clicking on the video icon on the menu. For the purposes of this public meeting, please keep your video on when you are participating in the meeting. When you are not participating, it is okay to turn your video off. Just remember to turn your video back on when you are participating. If you are participating by phone, you can click star six to unmute your phone. For those using Zoom, somewhere on your screen, you will see the choice to toggle between speaker and gallery view. Speaker view shows the active speaker. Gallery view tiles all the meeting participants. Individuals who registered in advance to provide public comments remotely will be called upon by name. When you are called on, please unmute your listening device and state your name before speaking. The chair will then call for in-person public comments for those who are physically present. Staff will direct them to the podium to speak while following social distancing and safety protocols. All motions will need to be stated clearly. After a motion is made and seconded, staff will call on each member individually to provide their vote. Staff will then need to announce whether the motion carried and the count of the vote. Uh, and now I'll turn the meeting over to uh, MMTC Chair Pat Collette.
1: Uh, thanks, Dave. Welcome, everyone. And uh, we'll uh, kick off our um, uh, study session uh, this afternoon on um, GIS dashboards and transportation data. Um, Allie, do you need to call the roll? I believe so, yes.
2: Ali Beams, MSO. Charlie Bryan. Present. Gregory Critchlow. Okay. Steve Evans. Here. Carol Bowen. Nick Kuzmiak.
3: Here.
2: Tom Allen. Here. Aaron Payton. lauren freeman
4: here
2: pat collette here Alrighty. Here's everyone
0: all right thanks ellie um yeah. so yeah our study session tonight is to talk about uh, gis dashboards and transportation data and we have uh micah uh, siebold um, who's a gis analyst um on staff here to help uh present this item and jessica mortinger also with the mpo um to answer any questions that anyone has but we've uh with the agenda provided some links um the mmtc gis maps the uh the map that we created last year for for the board to, to use um as we talk about uh, projects um and um we also included the bike project dashboard and pedestrian project dashboard. so hopefully you've had a chance to take a look at those and um, we're going to kind of try to have a a working session today to kind of go over how to use gis and see if you all have any questions um, on on how to use it and also if you have any questions on any um data or information that maybe you, you feel would be important for us to consider, including on our MMTC map, that would be good information to know as well. Um, and as we've um, kind of talked about this, this training, it's also we're um, looking at, um, you know, how data relates to our planning efforts. And, and you know, we, we do a lot of data and reporting with transportation uh, T2040. And um, we're going to kind of also have a discussion on, you know, using some of the data as we uh, think about um, using equity in our decision making. So um, with that, I'll kind of turn it over to uh, Micah to kind of share his screen and give uh, kind of an overview of GIS for us.
5: Thank you, Dave um yeah um screen share here okay so um so here we are looking at the agenda uh we've got these three links that i i'm going to talk to you about Uh, i'm going to start with the mmtc gis map we're up here so um there we go. So, um, as Dave mentioned, I'm on. I'm, I'm the GIS manager. I'm in IT, and I work with MSO and MPO quite regular regularly. Um, and uh, this was a map that we put together uh, last year, as Dave said, and um, it has a lot of content in it. So, um, I just want to go through the layout of this pro- uh, program and. Just kind of dig into some of the the data and show you some extra functionality. But it is important to note that, yeah, this this data is just a subset of all the information that we have that staff uses daily for reference. Uh, We use it in models like the pedestrian prioritization. Uh, But uh, that's just one of many um, models that we use. So what we've put together here is content that um, is relevant to this group, uh, but it's not like a static map. We can add more if we find out through our conversation tonight, uh, if there's something else you're interested in. Um, it's definitely a fluid thing. Uh, and the way that it it's presented to you is is also subject to change depending on what your needs are. Um, so yeah, I mean at the heart of our GIS, our GIS vision is to. Try to make this data as simple as we can to have for citizen access. Um, and um, and so that's. that's <laughs> that's our goal, at least so. Um, I'll go ahead and. Uh, Start by asking if there are any questions so far. Has everyone been able to open this map? So um, what we've got over here on the left side um, is uh, different layers of data that you can turn on and off. Um, If you're not seeing that, make sure to click on the content tab up here in the upper left. Um, And of course, you can toggle these on and off. Um, Right now I'm just showing pedestrian projects. Um, There are some additional functionality you can do underneath each of these layers. Uh, There's um, also, some background maps you can change if you click over here on the base map. Um, there's imagery if you want to see imagery. Uh, this dark gray canvas map is uh, kind of useful uh, if you want to just wash out everything else and just see what you're looking at. And there's a whole, there's you can have fun and play with this and choose whatever you want it, it starts out in the topographic base map It's what it defaults to so um, so there you go you can customize it to what you to help you visualize we've got this legend button that will list um what layers are turned on it'll show what the symbology is um, so that's the general layout of our map we've also got here Address finding. If you want to see something more specific, or if you have a specific address you want to check in on, all right. Any questions so far?
1: Uh, Mike, uh, this is this is Pat Collette, chair of uh, MMTC. Um, is this does this map have? Um, like the underlying like arterials and collector streets? I mean, like for instance, if you're interested in looking at percentage of arterials or, uh, or collectors with bike facilities or something like that, is is this where we would look for something like that? Or is that something that is a iterative process beyond kind of beyond this map?
5: Yeah, that's a process that would take um, some... En- Some analysis or some churning things together, (laughs) fitting things together. Now, um, that's kind of the role that I see of dashboards. If there are some metrics that you want to see, a lot of metrics uh, we can definitely set up to be periodic, like annual or even more often. But um, some of them, we have the data in in a space where it can be dynamically updated. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a good question. You know, there's, there's questions that you have that, you know, we're kind of bridging the gap here. We have the base layer of data, um, that we can reference and, and put together in whatever method that we need to find, you know, to to find some answers to questions. So, um, yeah, a metric like that, uh, maybe something that, uh,
6: Jessica Mortinger, transportation yeah. planning manager. So, Micah, if you click on the existing, the bike plan, existing infrastructure. So, this is where you have to kind of play around with the layers. And we can talk a little bit through what each of these are and how they've been developed. So, Ooh. this is showing you, there's three layers here you see from the bike plan. And though there's one's grade separated crossings, identifies those, future and planned, and then there's future bikeways and existing bikeways. Um, Will you show them how to open the table uh, associated with this data to show there is street classification in each bikeway type? So you could do a sum or a filter to see which of those are on arterials, which of those are on collector.
5: Right. um. Yeah, I'm not sure if this layer has that.
6: Class. I just went when I opened yeah. up the when I opened up the table, it allowed me to see that when I clicked the table button on mine version. Not on any segment. If I click the table button over on the side, yeah, it shows me class.
1: Okay, yeah. I get what I'm. This is uh, Pat Colette again. Um, what I was referencing, I was looking, had been looking at the. Um, of american bicyclists and the you know bicycle friendly communities and some of the measures that they indicate for um you know different different levels of bicycle friendliness and those that was an example of one of the one of the measures of you know in terms of percentage of arterials with bike lanes for instance and yeah and, and looking at at those and how, you know, how that would be generated. But like Micah said, I mean, a, a dashboard of some sort in terms of general consumption would probably be more useful, you know, would be a useful. Um, sure.
6: Useful. yeah Jessica Morton your transportation planning manager Pat that's something we can talk about we obviously submit the city submits those applications and so we would have the numbers that we used that were submitted as part of that application to tell you what the baseline was um, and then we would probably update those assuming the questions stayed the same every four-ish years is when they require that that application submittal okay Right. Thank you. Those are some of those types of questions, I think, are we would just need to identify what types of metrics you want to look at. And if that's something that in the future you'd like to track that in that way, then um, as Micah gets to the two other dashboards, we can show you those can be edited to display information in any way we possibly want. (laughs) Right. But sometimes it gets confusing. So this is where, like, if you don't understand what the data is telling you, it's Can be hard to maybe understand what you're seeing.
7: Great, thank you. This is Steve Evans. I have just a couple of questions. Um, My first question is Is there an EJ layer on this MMTC map? And my second question is Can you zoom in on this view or do you need to get to a different view?
4: Yeah, Jessica.
5: Yeah, Mike Siebel GIS manager Yeah, um, if you scroll down in the list of in the contents in the list of layers. Um, oops, we have the 2020 EJ merged so. Um, the order of items in this list uh, matters uh, for what gets drawn on top of what. Um, so I've turned on the EJ layer here and let's say I want to see what pedestrian projects. Um, how those intersect Um, and from time to time, you'll get conflicting colors is what it looks like here. We have uh, something in our legend, which uh, as I mentioned, you can click the legend here. We have something like that. Um, I can show you how to change that here in a moment. Um, And your second question, um, what was that? Can you zoom in? you okay, zoom in. Yes. So uh, oh, there we go. on the map, there's a plus and minus. That is one way to zoom in and out. You can use the scroll wheel on your mouse. Much easier way to zoom in and out. If you want to go back to the overview of Lawrence, you just click on the home icon here. Um, and there is a way to draw a box and zoom into it here as well. So to do that, um, you hold down shift on your keyboard. Then you left click with your mouse and you can drag a box over a specific area. And then just let go of the mouse and you can zoom into a Mm -hmm. specific area. So again, that was holding down shift and dragging. And that's a that's a common feature of the city map uh, the city mapping that we have and as i mentioned before you can put and type in uh, an address in this box here and that'll get you zoomed in so then at that point you can Close that or do whatever you need. If you click and hold and drag, you can pan. I'm a little bit close here. And I've got the EJ on. I'm going to turn that off for a moment. And when you're zoomed in this close, this is where it's nice to have imagery. Um, So yeah, I think that's a little bit more on the navigation that I had, I had not gotten to yet. So thanks for that question. That was great.
7: Yeah, this is, this is um, excellent. Um, maybe this is down the road a little bit, but do you think you could have layers for CIP years, budget years, and go through the years? Maybe. Um yeah, yeah, that's
5: that's something that um, we may find that the dashboard that we created might help with that, but I will write that down so
8: Do, Excuse me MMTC. It looks yeah. like you could just add a column to the table um, for the bike projects NMPPP and pedestrian projects NMPPP. If you just added a year to which they were planning to be completed that that might solve that issue. because because each entry is already on there um it would just i think what steve is maybe asking for is to add you know a year to which that project is maybe planned for steve is that Uh, what you're getting at yes okay
9: commissioner brian mmtc it's my understanding that the plan is not necessarily tied to the cip i think the cip would be a separate
8: so the to
9: the tip projects from the mpo
8: the NMPPP, is, it, it gets us a list of plans that, in our jargon, is a CIP, but there's also the city CIP. And I've kind of, I think I've asked this question before, um, and I think the terms are kind of used interchangeably. But technically, there's the full city CIP, and then there's the bike and ped project CIP as well. Both are their own capital improvement plans, and they're referred to, confusingly, as the exact same word. At least, that's how I've understood so far. So somebody can't correct me if that's wrong.
4: Yeah, city
0: engineer. there's a citywide CIP and then, then our, our CIP for the bike ped projects that we are trying to, um, the do. same time as the citywide CIP, but so if the question is the city CIP projects, um, <clears throat> we're, um, that can be shown on the map. That is information that we have that, um, we could, um, WE COULD SHOW THOSE PROJECTS ON A MAP
9: COMMISSIONER BRIAN uh, MMTC SO THERE'S ALSO A TIP TRANSPORTATION IMPROVEMENT PROJECT THAT THE MPO MAINTAINS THOSE ARE ON THE MAP I DON'T KNOW IF ANYONE'S USING THE LINK THAT WAS IN OUR AGENDA BUT YOU CAN SEE THE TIP PROJECTS THE POINTS AND THE LINES that represent the projects that are slated with funding, right, Jessica?
6: Yeah, Jessica Mortinger, Transportation Planning Manager. So TIP TIP stands for Transportation Improvement Program, and that's all the regionally significant transportation projects. So again, it may or may not include all your bike ped projects, since we don't necessarily know the location of those when they program the funding. Um, But this would be like the more regionally significant road projects that would show up in the city or county CIP and or be identified by like a state project. So if you're talking about a more near term, these are the projects in the next four years that we're looking at having as transportation projects. So you can look at all of these and click on any of the point to pop up some detail about information from that document. It's one of the processes that the MPO does.
9: Commissioner O'Brien, MMTC. I was also wondering if it's possible to reorder the layers from top to bottom if you wanted to put a layer that's lower, if you wanted to raise that, if it can be done on this map. Uh,
5: Micah Siebel, GIS. Um, I think you have to be signed in with an account to do that.
9: Okay. And then I was also curious uh, if the neighborhoods layer could be added to the map.
5: Yeah, I can can do that.
9: And then Commissioner Bryan, again. Then the other um, question I had is around the transit route layer. Is it possible the coloring on there is just uh, one single color for the entire route? Could that be modified to reflect um, the various routes?
5: Um, uh, Mike bold uh GIS. Um, so I think that is something you can do if you click in here on, you know, what it, now, let me slow down here. Um, the reason that this is all one layer is because is because multiple layers overlap each other. Mm-hmm. So if you click on a route here, I clicked downtown, you see the pop-up says one of five. So we've got route 44, one, seven, ten. Um, they're all on top of one another. So the symbol the symbolization gets a little bit difficult. We get into cartographic symbolization where we have to widen the line off of every route. So, um, that is why it's not showing up like that. Okay. Uh, but you could go into here. I'm sorry. I'm too, I'm doing this too quickly, but one of these options is change style, which is the colorful shapes. Um, and we can symbolize if we choose, if we've looked into the data a little bit and we know what we're looking for, we can choose the route.
9: I tried that. It was...
5: Um, oh, and it She's gives Mac these MMTC,
8: <clears throat> Unique symbols, what you're looking for. It's the uh, final option on there. I think that should be the default, though, to be honest with you. It's... it's um,
6: under, Go to the bottom of the options under two. Right.
8: There we go. Yep.
6: There yeah, you
9: go.
8: Unique symbols. Okay, the other ones didn't get you anything. There we go.
9: Thank you. I don't know if there's a way to make the default that or if that matters to anybody else.
8: I think it would be convenient. And I think same goes for transit stops as well. If we could code each transit stop to a um, bus line that it serves, and if there are multiple entries, for example, if a stop serves multiple lines, then I guess just have a dot for each of those, and they just lay on top of each other is the way I could think that problem could be solved. I mean, if you overlay it with the transfer routes, you can probably guess. But um, if you're only looking at that layer, then um, you might want to be able to differentiate each route.
9: Thank you. That's all the questions I had. This is great work, Micah. Appreciate it. This
1: is Commissioner Klatt. Um uh, Commissioner Bryan, your question about the the order in which they're displayed—were you talking about the way they're displayed on the left-hand side, as far as labels, or how they were displayed on the the layers order of layers on the map itself? Because I think you know he showed it's, that we could change that on the map itself. But
9: so the order that they're displayed on the map, I thought was basically the same order that they're displayed on the left
1: now I think didn't uh Micah did, didn't you say that if you clicked on is the order in which you clicked on the layers or or not
5: yeah Micah Siebold um so yeah this is the drawing order so if I would have put the polygon layers I'm going to turn on a polygon layer here this is the transportation disadvantaged population score um these were Purposefully put near the bottom, bottom of the map of this list so that lines and points would draw above them. Um, so that's as not to obscure it. Uh, so there was some thought put into that. Um, if you find that a, a layer is covering up something else you want to look at simultaneously, uh, we just make that request and we can. We can change it up a little bit. Um, I'll also mention that we're in the what's called the classic version of this web map. Uh Esri has come up with a newer version and I ha- I haven't looked into the functionality of that, but that's something I'll look for if it allows you to change uh, what is above and you know other layers. Yeah, because you could turn all of these on and you don't know what you're looking at, but so it's good to um uh, yeah, just turn on what you're interested in learning about so
6: Jessica Morger, hey Mike, it looks like you have that functionality um, in the in the new map viewer.
5: You do okay.
6: I'm not signed in and I had that functionality.
5: Perfect. so uh, yeah the timing of this was so that we gave you the the link to this version of the map and then they came out with that. New version, of course. So I would have that, liked to have used that new one, but I did not have time to <laughs> learn it myself. So, But the but link to
6: that is at the top of the map.
5: Right. You can open in the new map viewer if you're interested in playing with that. Um, right. So... Um, Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is the filter option. So, um, right now we're currently showing everything that's in our long list of projects for the NMP, uh, Triple P. Um, so, uh, if you go to this filter option, you can limit this. Based on, there's classification. There's different scores. There's funding year, um, status. So I mean, I guess it's good to go in and take a look at the data. And we see there's status, uh, CIP status. Um, You know, so. Let's say you wanted to see that you could go in here via the filter, check out the status field. These are in alphabetical order. Oh, and then yeah, (laughs) status is CIP. There's There's a list here of different statuses. And if you apply the filter It will, um, it'll limit your map to that. Um, this funding field uh, was more of a funding description. I I know someone had a question about, can you show funding year? Um, we only have, I did add a field for that, for the five year plan that Jake was working on the project selected, um, but it looks like that column is not showing in here. So I will have to double check that issue and turn that column back on. Um, so um, yeah, I'll, I'll be making a note of that.
8: Nick Kuzmiak, MMTC, I had a couple of potential suggestions um, that are kind of along the lines of the transit route one. Uh, for the layer for... Let me make sure I get the words right. Minority block grant groups. Um, Let me see which one that is. Uh, would it be possible to add a gradient for that, much like there is for the CDBG low moderate income block groups? Still think there is. No, actually, there's not a gradient for that one either. So if you click on each of the shape files for that, it shows you, I think, the percentage. It would it'd be nice to just, you know, potentially see at a glance what the percentage is for each of the blocks based on you know the percentage
6: possibly jessica Mortinger, your transportation planning manager we may be able to do that my my thought is we might just need to check that it doesn't skew how the data is presented because classically those those by definition are either in or out there is, no, there is no intensity in the determination used by CDBG and or um, by environmental justice in intensity of populations within those zones.
8: Nick, excuse me, I'm MMTC. I'm seeing here though on the table that, that, that there is a low moderate percentage for each of these things. So for example, it's 93.81 here, 54.87 over there. So I mean, it's similar to Microsoft Excel where you can add a color scale. To things on a continuum from one to hundred, is that possible in GIS, or is that not a functionality that exists?
5: My good civil GIS, uh, yeah, that's possible to display it that way.
8: And I guess the follow-up question for Jessica is: is that, um, I guess, a reasonable way to kind of differentiate from these? Because this when I'm just able to see they exist and where, but it'd be nice to kind of get a better view of like, where do they exist in more intensity? And I'm thinking that percentage is that intensity.
6: Yes, Jessica Morton, your transportation planning manager. I'm not saying that they don't exist in different intensities. What I'm saying is this is a federally HUD defined CDBG, low to moderate income block groups defined. Their definition is either you're in or you're out. Based so on this that is criteria.
8: Just like how it came off the shelf.
6: No, they set a, we set a threshold. There's a threshold for um, like the low to moderate income data reflects block groups where the household income is 51 or more percent of the population residing in households earning less than 80% of the area's median income. And you're either yes to that or no to that. So CDBG considers like the community development block grants considers that threshold is you qualify for cdbg if you're in that versus you don't they don't have a consideration for how intense is your how intense over that you may be that's kind of where we got into the transportation disadvantaged criteria so if you look at the table go to transportation disadvantaged and turn that on micah i see and if you click on that table button underneath that and you click on any of those points, you'll see the score it gets in that methodology, which would show you the intensity of any one of those things based on that. And you can symbolize, I think with what you're looking at, you could symbolize these scores to get to show the intensity of any of those demographic groups. Or I think that gets the same thing you're looking for, but it doesn't change the layer and how like CDBG displays it.
8: Yeah. Nick okay. Kuzmiak, MMTC. Yeah. So now I understand what you're getting at. So if you if you do want to do the, you know, have the feature that I mentioned, then this is basically the layer that you would have. Um I guess the, the only reason if any that there would be to have gradients on the other ones is just in case you wanted to drill down in details like why exactly is this one, you know, really dark red or really light green. And that may not be something that everybody wants to do, and but yeah.
6: Yeah. Jessica Martin, transportation man, planning manager. Uh, Micah, can you just show how to add labels? Because you can take that uh, minority block group label and you can add a layer that just labels the low to moderate percentage. In which case you might be able to just change the visualization yourself on here.
5: I guess yeah, I'm about- oh, not- Yeah, uh, just that functionality you have to be signed in to manage labels.
8: So I guess I'm not, I don't know if I'm maybe not reading between the lines here. I'm trying to figure out, I mean, for me, it would be useful on on a given layer to have the visualization available so you can see the gradient. And it's sounding like maybe there's a reason that we don't want to do that. Um, I mean, I understand how the data comes to us and that you're either in CDBG or out, But I think it would be instructive to see for somebody just trying to do data analysis on a visual level just you know, how CDBG are we here, right? Um,
6: so you that'll can do that. That would be a useful thing to see. Okay. So you can you can do that. Click on, Micah, if you click on Minority Block Group, and change the symbology, change style. Instead of here, you can go to Minority Percentage. There we go, OK. And you can choose it to show you how you want it to show you a gradient.
8: OK, perfect. I was having trouble finding that. I, I didn't realize that you had to select something in that first drop-down menu, so thank you. That makes more sense. So in that case, yeah. Default is whatever the government gives to you, which does make sense. And then if you do want to analyze it, then you can dive deeper and it's pretty easy to do so. So, okay, I'm satisfied. Thanks. Okay. Um, The other thing I was going to add was, and this is maybe a discussion in the main meeting as well, but um, is it possible to add the citizen request CIP projects just to kind of see where other people might be looking that um, the, the CIP currently isn't? Or are some of those not well defined enough to actually be added.
6: Jessica Morton, your transportation planning manager. Well, the list from this year of bike ped, you're talking about bike ped requests yeah, yeah. or the bike yeah. for the bike ped project request. Um, I believe Jake has a map and it should documents those lists many of them were already on many of them there are some already on the list but we didn't map those separately those aren't mapped projects so if you want to map that's something we th- we could do as an activity in a future year but it would be developing a, a new shape file to map something
8: yeah like basically adding to the set with new shape files that are based on people's uh, suggestions right okay
6: yes. Some of them you would not be able to map, though.
8: Yeah, because they're kind of vague.
6: Oftentimes, like, even when you ask people addresses, you're like, tell us the closest intersection to your house, and you get, like, 23rd Street, and there's no cross street. Or, you know, we get lots of challenging data inputs, so it could be, you could map them to your best of your ability, yes.
8: Yeah, I mean, if somebody says, I want all of 62 with a bike lane, like, "eh, okay, that's kind of, I guess we could map it. But for example, when the uh, Sustainability Action Network submitted those four or five, like, really detailed um, routes that they would like to see, I feel like that would probably be amenable to mapping. Uh, That's it for me. Tom Tom Allen at MMTC, would it be possible to also show um the bike repair stations and the bike stands um that we see on biking uh, warrants or is that is that already in under infrastructure
6: i don't jessica Mortinger, transportation planning manager we have it mapped we also have like bike parking it's a kind of less complete data set meaning we don't have it all mapped but um it exists yes it could be added I think the key in some of that is how much is too much. Do you know what I mean? What's the most available Mm -hmm. information to you, right? Some data sets you see, you can use and you see at a citywide view and some of them as you zoom in, like it becomes more relevant to look like if you're looking project specific to turn stuff on and off to understand what's happening.
4: Okay,
5: thank you. Yeah, Micah Siebel, GIS, so... um, I think that's all that I, I had, um, for describing this map. Uh, do we have any more questions on it or should we move on to the dashboards?
9: This is commissioner, Brian. I, I do have a few more questions now that I've spent more time looking at it. Okay. <clears throat> um, and these might be more for Jessica, uh, on the bike projects, the legend has selected and completed dash development. Can you tell us what those mean? Yeah, Mike,
5: is people, GIS. So um, as Jake and I were looking at this, we noticed that some projects were completed, but not by our funding, by other funding. And the blue one here was completed by KU. There's a shared use path by the stadium. Um, And then there was another one that filled in a small gap of sidewalk on 23rd street. That was a redevelopment.
9: So completed and completed development basically are the same thing, just maybe funded differently. Is that correct? Okay. And then selected, what does, what does that mean? for the green. That's
5: that is the projects that are in the five year plan that uh, Jake Jake had, has been developing so
9: all right thank you and then um the crash data douglas county 2017-2019 one of the items uh, is called in the legend is called pedal cycle oops hold on it's, yeah is that bicycle? Just
6: Correct. Just okay. the your Transportation I'll... Planning Manager. That's how the Kansas Motor Vehicle Accident Report form, well, that's what they call a bicyclist. Okay. And so this is their data set. This is their data, I believe, Micah, or it's the data that we're required to submit to them.
9: Is, is there a way that we would know about electronic? Or electric-assist bicycles would they be counted as pedal cycles?
6: I don't. I believe so, but I don't believe it's reported. It's it's not tracked separately in their data set.
9: Okay. Thank you. I'm done. I promise. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and
5: this is Mike um This is a great layer to play with the filter as well. If you want to look into the data. Um. Yeah. Especially, uh, let me see. Yeah, there's a layer that can tell the severity of the of the crash. So, uh, fatality accident might be interest. Injury accident to filter, um, but not, you know, filter that by pedal cycle if that's the interest.
6: So I would um, just say this, sorry, yeah. Jessica Morton, your transportation planning manager, as you get into this and you start looking at stuff, we expect you will have questions that will kind of maybe be the test to see who's using it, right? Because the reality is, is this isn't all super user-friendly. We have done the best we can to kind of give you a lot of information. Um, and this has been out here for a while and we've edited it occasionally. Um, I mean, these data sets get updated on the, in end on processes, but um you may have to ask us like these conversations about how you do stuff. And that can be either Micah or I, and we will refer to each other or whoever in terms of like getting your question answered. Um, If you get into some more specific thing you want to look at or want to understand, it might just require a follow-up, and we can set up a private um, virtual call um, to walk through something and, or get other data added to this, to this map.
8: Kuzmiak MMTC, I would not sell yourself short. This is a pretty great map. And as somebody who hasn't taken a JS class in a, a decade, it's actually pretty user friendly. Um, I mean, there's only a couple of things I had to ask how to figure out. And then every functionality that I wanted to see is basically here. So I mean, this looks like it's going to be a, a really great tool to, as we learn more how to use it, kind of evaluate the decisions that, that we actually make here on the commission. So uh, yeah, thanks for put so much work into it
5: thank you all right uh micah siebold yeah so uh let's looks like we've got a little under 15 minutes let's go and take a look at one of these dashboards Uh, um go into the bike Um so this is one of the applications we have on our GIS platform. It's called the DA- operational dashboard. I think it's just called dashboards now. Where we can use the underlying data and um give you some charts. Um this particular one is a bike 5-year plan um and the 5-year plan part uh is we're talking about the selected ones. So, um, but this chart here is the overall list. Um, this includes some functionality, like you can click on the pie um, and it will only show those that category. Um, sometimes it's hard, like we've got this completed development slice. It's hard to see that, so you can expand If you click the upper right corner, you can expand any of these windows. And that makes it mildly easier to click, (laughs) but, uh, so I've selected it. And then if you go back up to the upper right corner and minimize, you can see it's showing those two categories and to undo that, just click again, somewhere outside of the pie chart. Um, You can also interact with this legend here. So if you want to see everything but the selected, uh, you can remove it. And that's just within the pie chart that doesn't affect the map. Um, Not sure how useful that is, but (laughs) there are uh, interactions that we can build into this. So the map portion is similar. To what I showed you before, you can click and hold and move around, move the map around. You can use your scroll wheel, of course. Uh, the plus and minus is down here at the bottom right. It's kind of hiding there, but you can do that. You can hold down shift and drag a box. You can single click on the data yet again. So um, it lists some of the scoring that's gone into the project. Uh, total total score there. Um, right, um, some of these things, the I noticed that this should just be engineering cost not the score. So <laughs> there's some things that uh, I might need to fix on it. But uh, if you notice stuff like that, just let me or Jessica know. Um, you can go back to the home button up here and we've got all the other usual map kind of things we've got the legend we've got the base we've got the layers in this map and we've got the base maps that you can switch to um on this uh i had initially made this dashboard where it's showing all bike projects everywhere so if you click the eyeball here you can turn it on and i'm going to turn off the other one that's just all of them in one color but i've also got by status which it defaulted to i've got by overall score which kind of does a gradient and then the breakdown of each score so if you want to know bike demand score um, and then you can check the legend to see what this means the bike demand points so there's. There's different layers to look at. Um, We kind of kept it to only bike projects because that was the focus of this map. Um, And uh, similar to what's happening with the pedestrian project. So um, you also see there's a pane here that shows the estimated cost. Um, This one, uh, the, Let me see here. Oh, yeah, I did not turn on any filtering on this because we have some bike projects that are being engineered in one year and constructed in another. So it was a little bit more difficult to filter by that on this one because some of those records are not, they don't have a line actually associated with them, a geometric line on the map. So, um, but you can kind of see in general um, the costs that are being put on here. okay so um
1: micah, this there is there any questions so far yeah micah this is uh, commissioner Clat. uh a couple of questions one is on the completed or developed or in selected ncip where you say completed 3.0 miles funded 7.5 miles what's that what's that time period
5: um that is since the beginning of the creating this policy the Yeah, the NMPPP
1: policy. Okay, so it would be good to have a A note on there somehow. And then why? And then the second question I have is in two thousand and twenty-five, why does why does that go down to zero? Is that Uh, this is? uh, No, it's not zero. It's one hundred k. Yeah.
6: <laughs> so, Jessica, Morton, your transportation planning manager. That's part of what the program that's being proposed. So this is just all draft based on the in the discussion you're going to have. And I would imagine on years where it's lower, it's because you're saving it up to partner in a pre in a next, in a following year like a bigger project, or you're doing engineering and then you're going to construct.
1: Yeah. Great. That yeah. Makes sense. I just I thought it was zero, and I see the scale now with it expanded. So that makes more sense. Thank you. All right,
5: Uh i will go ahead and jump over to the pedestrian dashboard just to uh, show you that I was able to turn on the filter. Oh, sorry, this is Micah Siebold. Um, I think you're able to filter by year. So we've got 2022 pedestrian projects. You can, uh, oops, I missed. So if we, No, I think, okay. you. Hold on, I think there's a way to select more. I guess not. Um, You can just individually look at it then. Uh, Some of these graphs allow you to select multiple or you draw a box around it. It's apparently not on this one. So you can look at it year to year on this. Um, That helps, but, you know, Jake's also got a nice list and, and maps available for you to look at. So, um, And one functionality that I was hoping to get on here to switch this to is to be able to resize these frames so that you can adjust it. But yeah, that's um, I think that's all I have on the dashboard and the maps in general. Are there any other follow-up questions?
8: Kuzmic MMTC. Um, as we've been talking about this, I've been kind of thinking of more, of course, questions for the interactive map. Um, And there was, I realized maybe some information that if it's available would be cool to have on the map. Um, And I don't know the feasibility of getting this information, but just out of curiosity, uh, road condition, kind of like how the US Department of Transportation grades, or I don't know if it's ASCE or or who uh, grades the condition of roads, Uh, sidewalk condition, which I think is it's only recently starting to be gathered, right, as part of the sidewalk repair program. Sidewalk maintenance and replacement schedule, just to see when each sector or, I guess, section is up for repair. And then I think what would be really useful is actually um, when a certain stretch of road is projected to be uh, repaired, replaced, rehabbed, uh, something. And I guess that could be coded differently, depending on if it's a like a widening, you know, and overlay, Um, I don't think that pothole patching rises to to the level of importance that it needs to be included on a map, but, um, some kind of minimum so that we can see, um, kind of around the city, what roads might be up for reconstruction soon, where it might be a good place to, you know, start to focus on some kind of redesign to make it more multimodal, which I know is, you know, you know, the complete... The, sorry the complete streets plan does kind of make that automatically a part of it, but I think it would be good to kind of see a couple of years out where we might be looking at for the next good retrofit.
0: This is Dave Kerns, the currency engineer. So we can we can provide that information on a layer as well. The CIP projects we already have those uh, in our GIS system. so it's just a matter of providing that information. And we also are we have a construction map online. It also is tied into our right-of-way permit, so if anyone sees flags in their yard or if any utilities called in a project, instead of just calling down to the city, you can go to the map. And a lot of times, answer your own question by seeing who's doing work in the area, whether it's a city project or a private utility project. And so we're uh, trying to use these maps more for uh, uh, communication and community uh, involvement to give more real-time information on projects so um i think adding this this five-year CI, city cip for transportation projects is as a good idea that we can include on your map
6: jessica martin your transportation planning manager we also have the t2040 projects which would tell you the regionally significant planned projects um it, for that 20-year time frame that the plan covers um, i saw in the chat um Carol Bowen had asked about the layers needed to provide pedestrian access to bus stops and um, the sidewalk network that we built um, and improved upon for the sidewalk maintenance prioritization is available, although we haven't published it yet. We have it. We just haven't made it public. So that's something we can add to this map. We could very easily overwhelm you with data, so I think the key is um, making sure you have what you need, but also um, kind of knowing what everything is.
1: Uh, this is Commissioner Colette. Uh, we're coming up on six o'clock. Uh, uh, would uh, you be interested in expanding the the uh, time frame another ten or fifteen minutes? What's the uh micah or jessica in terms of the things that we have still looks like performance um measurement is one and there might be a little more discussion um would anyone or everyone be interested in expanding this for another 10 or 15 minutes i see charlie says yes okay well let's I'll take that as as yes, and and we'll we'll go ahead until six six fifteen if we need that. Thank you.
6: Right, so hopefully you can see my screen. This is Jessica Mortinger, transportation planning manager. And I'm just linking from the, just gonna show you this website that we've put together, which kind of defines in some greater detail, environmental justice defined. So this explains the definition I was talking about earlier with uh, in responding to Nick's question about how the census data is filtered to show the income, the low and moderate income data in the block groups for EJ. And you saw that on your map, both as a separate layer is income alone. Um, and then also combined and minority alone and then also them combined together. So you can understand kind of what factors are at play there. Um, And this just describes our process that the MPO uses for defining environmental justice and then of course it shows you an active map link and it has some history because these areas have changed over time so if you want to understand how that happens too you can go uh, kind of dig into more detail of this but this is here kind of for your for your reference. The other link we provided you as we start to talk about performance and things, uh, items that you wish, that MMTC wishes to track as part of the work that you do. I think this is probably the best um, overall high-level regional tracking that we're doing of transportation data. And that's part of our long-range plan reporting. Um, And so that is this part of... Transportation 2040. You can click here for a PDF report that has the data report of all of the measures that we track in the system performance. So that includes a quite a long list of measures, I think there's 27 of them if I remember correctly, some of which are federally required and that says it here if it's local or a federal measure and how often the data is reported. So this would be able to kind of give you some high level system performance information um, in terms of how what's tracked and remember this is throughout the region and so you'll see oftentimes we have listed things by ownership of road, um, or by city jurisdiction. And so these are the different measures that we are tracking. You can also go and see these map, these um, items each individually. So if you're looking for just certain callouts, you don't have to go and look at the entire report. You can just go to that category of performance uh, reporting that is done, that is done in the plan. So these, the, during the next plan development, we'll have the opportunity to either expand now that we've done a lot more work in the data field to expand how we report data um, and, or the type of data we want to see. And we'll do that all as part of the process, but you'll see here, most of our data points are measured. um, These are transit, so it's only Lawrence, right? Lawrence is the only city in our region that has transit service and um, the percentages that you can see. Those are links if you just have any specific information, you want some more specific information that's available to you. Um, And then we're gonna start adding, um, and we have already a few times, so if you have noticed in the staff item reports, um, when there are items that are, or when this data is updated, and you might want to see that, we will be adding that um, to to the agenda. be nice if it would I could entertain any questions you may have
1: this is Commissioner Collette I was you know when I'm looking at the dashboard from the previous section and then also these performance indicators um, I'm wondering if there's been discussion or what others think about the idea of, of particularly for bike ped stuff making that information more visible to the public, you know, in terms of maybe putting some of those specific dashboards on the MMTC site or, or someplace where it would be easy for the public to, to look at it, you know. I think in terms of interactive maps, maybe not necessarily, but, but um, you know, dashboards that would show progress uh, towards meeting different performance goals over, over time um and whether you know because i know it's in the you know the, the PDFs are in the in the uh, 2040 report and uh, those kinds of things but it's difficult to find if you don't know that it exists or where to look and i just wondered about that as a as a goal for you know, you know coming coming months to kind of enhance that um, public outreach and that public information
6: Yeah, Jessica Maringer, Transportation Planning Manager. I think, you know, part of it, I think, was to tell the story, the dashboards for the uh, the non-motorized prioritization and the bike-ped dashboards that Micah showed you were the attempt, I think, the last time MMTC had this conversation um, with staff was to begin to tell the story about what's happening in terms of bike-ped projects. Um, And so if there's something you want that looks different, I think that's a conversation that Dave... um, can have with Micah and those can evolve into what you want those to look like if that's what you're talking about. If you're thinking about something very different, then that just needs to be a separate conversation, I think.
1: Yeah, I don't think I'm thinking of something very different. I think just in terms of, of the levels that, that you have to click to to find it, you know, and, and you know, putting it somewhere where people would would possibly go to go to look for that for that kind of information.
4: Yeah, Jessica
6: Mortinger, transportation planning manager. I think that's going to be one of the big challenges, especially as the city rolls out um, the strategic plan, because there's going to be a whole nother set of measures. And if you start digging into any department and operations, everybody has a lot of data and metrics. So what matters to people is very different. Um, Transit's also, I think, grappling with some of this issue in terms of dashboard and available data about even transit and stops and things like that. So I think it's something we can continue to evolve.
1: Great. Thank you. Other comments or questions?
7: Well, this is this is Steve Evans. Jessica, does this make your job harder or easier? To have all of this stuff.
6: (laughs) I think it depends on the day. Uh, Jessica Martin, your transportation planning manager. I think a lot of the issue is much of this data didn't exist. So... Many of these layers, like earlier when you were, Tom, when you were asking about bike repair stands, like we built those layers. So we know they all exist. And the the great thing is, is now it's not just, you know, like the city and Micah would even say, you know, the move towards a, um, asset management is creating the development of a lot more GIS data layers, which is really helpful and a lot more sophisticated models, which helps us do that. And it's a matter of keeping it all straight and understanding how we used it and how the data can be interpreted. Because let me give you an example of where it's really challenging. As we talk about food access in the community, um, you know, we can map from the distance of bus stops using the walk shed, the pedestrian walk shed to see how big that walk shed is. And we can count, we can see which grocery stores are within walk sheds or without a walk sheds. Well, we only have public infrastructure, pedestrian infrastructure mapped, So we don't map stuff as soon as it gets past the right-of-way. So anything, if you think about like, um, I'm trying to think of a newer grocery store that's been built. So if you think about natural grocers, um, when they built that, they built at a time when there's a right-of-way connection between the public sidewalk and the storefront we don't have that map so as we start to think about asking more questions oftentimes we need more data or we need the data to be built in a different way to be able to answer the questions we want to build and we oftentimes have to integrate that into our project processes to do some of that so that's an example that's really near because we're working on some of that stuff now to have those conversations Um, and it just creates more questions that you need more data. So you have to go back and build or change your data sets to be able uh, to do some of those things um, that you want to do to be able to answer some of those questions.
7: Well, thank you. It it would seem that along the way in the last five years, you probably had to make a bunch of assumptions. And now, although you don't have everything, you have a lot more. So you should be able to make better decisions and just thinking out loud in terms of the applicability of all this stuff to MMTC, honestly, I'm a bit overwhelmed by all of it. And I'm trying to think, okay, how am I going to use this? And what am I going to get to know that I can be fluent fluent enough with that it'll make a difference in what we see on our agendas. So I would just ask Dave and Jessica and others, you guys have plenty to do, but just a little bit of guidance on our agenda items, like take a look at these three layers, you know, um, before the meeting and not, you know, don't, you don't need to take us into the weeds, but just a little bit of help in, navigating through this, because I know I'm not going to look at it every day. So I'm not going to be able to drive like, you know, maybe some other people on the commission would be able to. So that's, you know, just two cents on how do we use it and what's the best way we can use it.
6: Jessica more your transportation plan into That's really helpful. And I think you'll start to see some of that. I think staff have heard that, that that's what you're looking for in terms of elevating equity and doing some of the other analysis you wanna tie back to other data or strategic plans, um, And I would say, hopefully you'll see some of that in terms of, you know, being able to even just, you know, think about it big layer. Like if you wanna turn on the layer of looking at proposed projects, like the five-year projects and turning on EJ. Is it in EJ, is it not in EJ? How does that hopefully when we can add the existing pedestrian network layer, once we publish it, you could turn it on to see how does that connect to existing infrastructure, you could start to understand some bigger context, and then you can zoom in, right, and you can turn on maybe you get to say like, I want to start looking at safe routes, or I want to start looking at whatever else it is as you you know bike repair stands or bike parking or whatever and you can start to zoom in at a more site specific level to understand how things might be interacting um as some of that changes. I was thinking too about some of the things you might be interested in terms of like adding like major thoroughfares maps. So street classifications that would we have data layers now that tell speed limits. So that might be something you're interested in as we look at a street what you might want to look at what's the speed limit. Um, I mean, I made a whole list of things you guys talked about of data sets that we could add to this map. Um, But I think you're right, Steve. The key is how overwhelming is it and what are you going to use it for? And that really makes a difference in how much we put in there because there's already quite a lot in there to understand how it all interacts. Um, And we don't intend to be overwhelming, but we do want to give you the tools that we have available to us that's public information to help you understand the stuff that staff is looking at when they're making decisions about projects, whether that be design and or prioritizing projects.
7: Thank you, that was great.
1: And this is Commissioner Klett. You know, I think, you know, thinking about how we're going to use it, I mean, I mean playing with all of those layers and looking at that, you know, it's fascinating, but I think in terms of being able to look at an agenda item and, and you know, have, Specific questions answered by looking at that visually is really is really helpful. And you know, like you say, Steve, if, if staff can help lead us to, you know, which layers are best to look at in that in that way, but that, you know, we're getting getting more visual uh, than just, a, you know, a spreadsheet of all the projects and being able to try to um, to understand what what that what that all means. Any other uh, questions or comments about the GIS?
10: I just uh, may I ask Gregory. Sorry, uh, Gregory Critchlow with MMTC. I think um, you know all the data is really um, and, and pertinent to our side of the equation and studying what projects are going to happen, budgeting, uh, where to do it. Um, in terms of how uh, locally and warrants, how do we translate that to people who are actually using the projects themselves? The end user, um, you know, how do these, is there um, um, a PDF that's printed that is distributed? Um, is there a head or bike map that end users can take advantage of these layers as well, as opposed to, you know, if you don't have access to these, to the internet or things of that nature? Because um, I see a lot of these, I see a lot of the bike routes. I see, you know, where these, the layer where the bike stations and the bike parking. Um, but if I'm actually on the bike, how do I negotiate that um, on the other side of the equation? I know our conversation is really about potential future projects and how we look at it. But I think we also have to keep in mind if we're talking about the equity issues, how is the end years you're using this, this data as well?
6: So Jessica Morton your transportation planning manager. So we have a bicycle rideability map that a lot of this information feeds into and the Lawrence Douglas County Metropolitan Planning Organization, so our or our MPO, has a bicycle advisory committee, and they are beginning the preparation work to update that rideability map. Um, and that's the one probably printed guide that we have available for people related to bicycling, which has a lot of that information. Um, in terms of pedestrian maps, there isn't anything probably available there. The closest would be, would be parks and rack and a trails map that they put out, which would be more for recreational um, users who are hiking and walking. But that's something probably to think about, I think, in the future if there's other information in terms of, like, the Parks and Rec Accessibility Survey stuff that's being done. I don't know if they intend to have any print version um, that's available. I put the link to that rideability map. The electronic version in the chat for anybody who's interested in seeing that.
4: Thank you.
1: All right. Well, coming up on 6:15. This has been uh, really great information, and uh, uh, I'm sure that as we go forward, we'll have some more questions for Jessica and Micah. But uh, this is a uh, this is really helpful to know at least generally what's there and to be able to know what what questions to ask and what kinds of things that we might might be able to 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 request if, if we don't find it find it in there so uh, thanks for your time this evening we really appreciate it all right let's uh, uh adjourn our study session and uh, 6 15 we'll come back at uh, six twenty five. take a short break 6:25. Let's um, get, get started here in a in a minute or so. Get everybody back. All right. I'd like to call the uh, May 3rd meeting of the MMTC to order. This is Commissioner Colette, um, Chair. Um, Ali, would you like to, or Dave, I guess maybe to uh, read the uh, the, op- the opening uh, information?
0: Uh, Dave Cronin. Um, we can uh, start by going to Ali for the roll call, okay, and then get get going with the regular meeting.
2: Allie Weems, MSO. Charlie Bryan. you we'll come back Gregory Critchlow Present Steve Evans Here Carol Bowen We'll come back to her Nick Kuzmiak
8: Here
2: Tom Allen Here Aaron Payton Lauren Freeman
11: here.
2: Pat Collette. Here. We'll go back. Charlie Bryan. Here. Okay. And Carol Bowen. I know she's been having mic problems. I think I can try to unmute here, but Carol, if you just want to enter into the chat, a message that you're here, I see you tiled here. Oh, there's Charlie in the chat. Okay, so that is eight and one absent.
1: Oh wait, she's on
2: now. Oh, now she's there. She's still oh. having problems hearing you, Carol. But I see that you're here, so <laughs> all right. We have eight and one absent. Thank you.
1: Dave, do you need to read the
0: uh, the uh,
1: instructions?
0: Uh, Dave, current city engineer. No, I don't. I don't think I need to go over the protocols again. And we don't have any uh, anyone sign up for public comment either. So okay. it's uh, I think we're good to go.
1: Okay, sounds great. Thank you. Okay, the first, first item on the agenda is to approve the minutes from uh, April fifth. Uh, that's attached to your agenda um has everyone had a chance to take a look and are there are any questions or changes to the to the minutes <laughs> Any? um I entertain a motion to approve
8: the Kuzmec mmtc uh, before we go on i figured since this actually loops into the public comment that was um uh, submitted via email that we're going to maybe bring up after this um it may be worth noting that in future um published minutes if it would be possible to get kind of a brief synopsis of public comment that might help for members of the public who are reading the synopsis and think man you know it's probably worth actually going on the video and see what that public comment was um instead of just saying that there was public comment so just a suggestion that i think john thornburg was Maybe onto something about and i i do recall that we may have discussed that at some point um a retreat or something so anyway I just wanted to put that out there but um yeah,
1: yeah is that is that something that's possible dave to, to include a little just a little more detail on, on public comment
0: uh this is dave cronin city engineer we try to be pretty consistent with the way other boards are um doing the minutes and um so it is possible, and um, but we also in, we're challenged with the time that it takes to do minutes, and then interpreting what gets recorded and what doesn't in written minutes. I think uh, would be a challenge. So we're defaulting just to the um, the action and the the voting um, on items. Um, I would say we, um, if it's a so an item under public comment, general public comment, um, I would I would be open to uh, adding a note on minutes under general public comment. But um, I think it, Mr. Thornburg's uh, concern was um, on an agenda item that had he had submitted public comment, and we had attached his email public comment to the agenda item, so it was there. And then I know it was discussed um, on that agenda item with a lot of other things. And so I would want to refrain from getting into detailed minutes on agenda items, but I would, um, I guess, be open if it's a general public comment item and someone speaks to it that we could note that briefly in the minutes if that. Uh, if the majority of the commission would like to see that.
1: Thank you. I think particularly when there's, you know, written comment, and that is attached to the, um, you know, to the packet, that that is something that the public is able to see. The, the challenge is when, when it's just uh, presented verbally. Yep. Okay, any other comments
8: or questions uh nick hey, Kuzmec, mmtc i just added a really sm- small i guess error um under f1 um the fair donation policy is spelled more like a state fair but it's actually fair like a bus fair f-a-r-e it's stupid but you know yeah. i mean it is technically a more fair version of the fair donation policy right. so, i mean that's a f-
4: yeah. fair well, error
1: it's, it's spelled correctly later in the sentence so it's just uh <laughs> just make that
4: consistent
8: yeah okay just a minor thing
4: yeah
1: all right well i'd entertained a motion uh to accept the minutes as amended with the change in, in spelling
8: Excuse me, MMTC. I'll motion to approve minutes. A second. A second. Eric Gregory.
1: Okay. Moved by by Nick. Uh, seconded by Gregory. Uh, all in favor. We just raise our hands.
2: Would you like to record a vote, do you?
0: Um. That's fine. Okay. Good
1: unanimous raise your hand if you approve
4: looks unanimous
1: Thank thank you all right um go back here okay uh public comment is the next item on the agenda and uh dave you said there is uh no one physically present and i don't see I don't see anyone online that's registered for
0: public comment, so. Dave Kronstein, engineer, that's correct. There's no one here in attendance and no one signed up. We did attach the written public comment to the agenda packet along the lines of our discussion during the minutes. Okay, Great. thank
4: you. Um,
1: item d agenda items consider recommending approval of the 22 20 to 26 five-year plan for non-motorized projects
12: thanks chair commissioners good evening Uh, jake baldwin senior project engineer for mso Um, and before i get going i just wanted to thank jessica and micah because they really kind of laid some good foundation into our discussion on the five-year plan with that study session so i think that'll save us all a little bit of time moving forward um So the the proposed five-year plan for non-motorized projects uh, runs from 2022 to 2026 and really serves as a framework for allocating the bike, ped, and sidewalk improvement funds that are provided annually through the city's capital improvement plan. Um, Staff brings the five-year plan to Multimodal Transportation Commission and City Commission each year for recommendation and approval, um, taking into account changes to our non-motorized projects prioritization policy, um, safe routes to school plan changes, grant opportunities, um, new projects through the call for projects, and as well as multimodal transportation commission and city commission priorities. Uh, This year specifically, when we look at the plan, we'll see that the really the the core changes are our grant opportunities and changes to the safe routes Routes to school um, plan. Um, So the the commission has spoken in the past to the importance of elevating equity within this plan. And although equity is is not yet uh, part of the scoring for the non-motorized projects prioritization policy, we have attempted to incorporate equity into the project selection uh, as can be seen by the attached maps referencing the um, EJ and transportation disadvantaged um, groups. Um, And we kind of had a refresher on that before, so I won't go into that any further. I think we're all up to speed on, on what those mean. Um, The the only thing I guess I would tack on there is the MPO does plan on um, revisiting the non-motorized projects prioritization policy to incorporate equity into scoring. So I think we'll see more discussion on that later this year. Um, A recap of our call for projects that was issued uh, via Lawrence Liston's survey. Um, I guess the survey took place between February and mid-April, the results of which we had 136 visitors to the survey Uh, with 42 uh, unique statements, which equates to a little over two hours of public comment. Um, From those statements, we're able to pull out 17 specific projects, um, nine of which were identified or not identified um, in an established plan. And um, the results uh, in analysis of those those 17 projects are on the summary table that's attached to the agenda item. Um, Per our policy, each of these projects is reviewed for um, appropriateness and feasibility for inclusion within our bike and and pedestrian project list and staff is recommending not to include any of those suggested projects into the list for the reasons noted on the summary table Um, i guess before i go into the details of our our five-year plan that's being proposed and because some of the commissioners knew and may not have seen our five year plan before, I just wanted really to reiterate that approval of this item tonight really only locks us into the 2022 year projects, since staff brings the five year plan back every year, uh, so that we can adapt to the possible changes that I discussed earlier, such as grant opportunities and commission priorities. With that we'll get into the five year
9: plan, let me pull that up.
12: And I'm hoping you're all seeing this now, so I will zoom in and we'll begin by discussing our, our bike projects. So, um, as you can see, this list is populated heavily with our Sixth Street Shared Use Path project in four of the five years, um, beginning in 2022 with um, our two easternmost um, project segments, those being from Wisconsin or Iowa Street to Wisconsin and then Lawrence Avenue to Iowa and um, one of the reasons that uh, these projects appear for design in 2022 was that um, kdot really approached us and asked us to apply for a federal transit aic grant in in relation to these projects that we've you know previously applied for and and ta grants and uh, that aic grant is the same grant that um, is funding our Naismith mobility enhancement project that is being designed currently and will go to construction next year, I believe. So um, this is a grant that we're just kind of getting familiar with and we're being encouraged to to, uh, apply for um, in terms of mobility enhancement. That's one of the focus areas of that grant is providing um, access um, via sidewalk and shared use path to transit stops. So we were working with Transit on that application. We're actually kind of in the second phase of that application process. We submitted a concept paper, and that uh, really gives KDOT a chance to examine the appropriateness of that application. And we were then awarded the actual application, kind of weeding out those projects that don't really need to be um, applying for this funding. So we, we kind of made it past that first step, and we now have a, a July deadline to um, submit our application for our Sixth Street Shared Use Path. And again, that could um, end up funding construction for uh, single or multiple segments. We just don't know yet. Um, So we wanna plan by um, putting in design for 2022. Um, Outside of those, or I guess I should say sandwiched in between our our Shared Use Path projects on Sixth Street is um, in 2024, we've got our 13th Street Bike Boulevard. And um, with that project, there's two associated bike Boulevard um, intersection improvement projects at 13th Street and Mass and 19th and Osdale. Um, If you're familiar with the previous iterations of our five-year plan, this bike project list looks fairly similar to what we've seen in the past two years. However, as uh, we go into discussing our pedestrian projects, um, there's gonna be a lot of dissimilarities and namely that's because of our changes to the Safe Routes to School plan that's really changed the scoring of almost every project so staff really had to kind of take a fresh look at what projects were being proposed in the five-year plan and and make sure we're prioritizing the higher scoring ones after these changes so with that in 2022 we're proposing two crossing improvements Um, one will be louisiana street near broken arrow park Uh, i think some further analysis needs to uh, take place to determine um, where that crossing would be and what the improvements would be, um, considering there's two adjacent crossings there near the school just to the north. And then a crossing at 11th street in New Hampshire. Um, that is being followed in 22 by um, our Massachusetts street sidewalk project from 23rd to 21st street on the west side. And this project would actually tie into the safe route to school sidewalk project. We're getting ready to build later this year on 21st street as well as the intersection improvement um, at 21st street for bike boulevards. that was just completed earlier this year. So that project in particular will tie into two important projects that have just happened and are going to happen. Moving into 2023, we've got West 9th street from Highland, pardon the typo, to Hilltop drive on the north side. Um, If you're familiar with that area, we've got a little gap there on the north side of 9th street. Um, It's where the, the rock wall is the property on the the west, me the easternmost side. So we've got a historic wall to deal with there. And then the property just to the west of that is going to require some easement. Um, so when you're looking at the map, keep those two, two things in mind. In 2024, we've got um, Castle Drive from Trail to Tomahawk on the west side. Um, it's a larger project, so it's kind of taking up the funding for that year. Then in 2025, we've got multiple projects, Harper Street from East 25th to East 24th on the west side. Alabama Street from Jazoo to 23rd on the west side, Main Street from 6th to 4th on the east, and Michigan from 6th to 5th on the east. Then in 2026, we've got two projects, Crestline Drive from Yale to 9th on the west side, and Castle Drive from Trail to Tomahawk on the east side. This is kind of the partner project with this 2024 project. Let's see. And then I think, uh, um, last, lastly, I just wanted to touch briefly on this table below that you may have glanced at. Really, this is just a kind of a cash flow bl- balance that compares the funding we receive each year versus what we're allocating towards projects, showing that through the five years of the plan, we're left with a balance of $116,000 that really kind of represents about 3% of our total funding through the CIP. And I think represents a, a, a small but decent contingency throughout the five-year plan. And I think that kind of brings me to the conclusion of the materials I wanted to present. So I'd be happy to entertain questions at this point.
1: Any questions from commissioners?
7: Yeah, this is Steve Evans. Um, I, um, a couple of questions to get, to this point I know we've had several meetings in the last couple of two three four months around these projects and so my question for staff would be um, we've seen some of this before this is not the first time we've seen this am I correct Jake um well Jake Baldwin senior
12: project engineer with MS so as I said, Steve, I think the bike projects are very similar to the past iterations that we've seen. Uh, but a lot of those pedestrian projects are going to be projects we probably haven't discussed before. So, a lot of the, the almost all the pedestrian projects on previous iterations were, were kind of downscored and so don't appear on this version of the plan. Mm-hmm.
7: And refresh me, I don't see any loop projects on the um, bicycle projects. And um, I'm curious about that. I know that we got grants for a couple of real strategic areas, but um there's certainly strategic areas left on the loop um, over the next four years. Are we thinking that there are gonna be grant opportunities for all these, or what's our what are our thoughts about that?
12: Sure. Jake Baldwin, senior project engineer, I can kind of speak to all those. So we have kind of three loop um, projects currently in the queue. Our first is our 29th street and 11th street to 9th street, which has been funded by um, previous grant and CIP money. Um, that's hopefully going to construction very, very soon. Um, the second one is um, between Peterson park and Michigan street. Um, that is currently under design and has a TA grant plus funding from This year's five year plan. So we've got bike ped funding in the loop for this year for that project. The third project is going to be from Michigan Street to Sandra Shaw. That was the most recently awarded TA grant and That, um, let's see, Jessica entered some information in the chat there. Um, That project has some CIP funding as well as the matching grant so it doesn't need money from our bike ped funds. Um, there's actually $150,000 for design in this year's CIP that's going to be used for uh, of this routing. The design was the name of the, the project in the city CIP and that's money you know, is going to be used for the design of that segment from Michigan to Sandra Shaw. Um, moving on into the future. I know we had discussions with Parks and Rec to plan for funding for those projects through the CIP. So um, I know we've got some areas downtown that you're involved with that I think the plan is to identify some funding through the CIP to do a study on that area. Um, further out into the future, I think this plan would probably have to change because, like you said, there's always grant opportunities and we have if we have the chance to to pursue one of those and and be granted um, some of those funds, I think this plan would have to change in those out years to accommodate that.
8: Thank you, Jerry. Oh, sorry. I was just going to ask if it's possible to to at least still include these on the CIP, even if they're already funded. It'd just be nice to kind of see them in context, really.
12: Yeah, I see what you're saying, Jake. This is Nick Baldwin uh, our sorry, Jake Baldwin, um, senior project engineer. Um, I would be hesitant to include them on this list just because this is kind of allocating the funding we've got. But if there's another way we can include them, uh, maybe through the uh, the bike dashboard might be a better way to do that. You could see it visually, but definitely open to suggestions.
8: I guess the reason I bring it up is because There is a capital project on here in 2023, the shared use paths from Iowa to Wisconsin that will be mostly covered by a grant and that's a similar funding mechanism to how at least one of the Lawrence Loop portions is going to be funded so could you just put it as a, you know, the total amount it's going to be for construction and then right beneath it well it's actually being funded by something else so um, I don't know, just a thought.
1: This, this Commissioner Collette, remind me, what AIC, what, what that stands for again?
12: Sure. Jake Baldwin, senior project engineer, access, innovation, and collaboration. Okay, great.
1: If, um, if that funding does doesn't come through, well, what will happen to those projects that are relying on that on that funding? Will they move to out years, or um, or will there be a different different source of funding?
12: Jake Baldwin, senior project engineer, I think our 2022 projects would not change. I think um, our, our project list and the prioritization scores of those project indicate that we probably still need to fund those no matter what, at least the design. So um, yes, I think out year, we would probably have to reconsider that next year if we don't get a grant that uh, we've got to fund them a different way if, if through more funding from our bike ped funds or postponing it until we have another grant opportunity.
1: This is commissioner colette again there are a couple of projects that are listed under the uh, bike plan that are intersection improvements and maybe there's you know there's not enough detail but how does that get classified as a bike pro- project versus a ped project is are there characteristics of that intersection improvement that are that's specific to bikes in that case
12: or Jake Baldwin, senior project engineer. Uh, yes, Chair. Those two projects um, are specifically related to the bike boulevards. The 19th Street and Osdale intersection improvement was originally part of the 21st Street bike boulevard, but because of funding constraints, we started having to pop scope out of that project, and that's one of the projects that that got um, kind of taken out of that one. The 13th Street and Mass has just always been a part of the, the bicycle boulevard on 13th Street.
11: Mm-hmm.
12: Okay. So they are specifically bike. Thank you.
11: this is lauren freeman commissioner um i'm curious if if you have maybe like a general explanation as to why the pedestrian projects changed so much i know we had kind of different um prioritization criteria do you have some theories as to like why that impacted it so much and and kind of what we're seeing there
12: sure jake baldwin senior project engineer and i might ask jessica to to step in if i fail to say something here but um with our the plan the the safe routes to school plan gets updated every five years and this was the year that it got updated so we had some route changes and the safe routes score very high within our non-motorized plan so if um one of the changes we made was um, on local streets we said a safe route is only going to be required on one side so if if that already had um, a sidewalk on one side it went from being scored for a safe route to not being scored for a safe route and that really dropped in the list so with those route changes we had some some sidewalk segments and projects get scored much higher than others get scored much lower jessica do you want to add anything to that
6: Jessica Martin, your transportation planning manager. The only other thing is in some cases, there was also new routes identified. And so that would have added projects to the list for consideration, which would have gotten scored. And of course, they get scored pretty highly because they have, we've prioritized routes along for safe routes as a high score. So that shifted the list quite around quite a bit.
1: Ms. Commissioner Clad, I have a question about one of the tables that showed the priori- prioritization score. And just to, to be clear, that does not include like the transportation disadvantaged score, uh, because I was looking at the when I was looking at the GIS and looking at at those numbers, it looked like That um, looked like those weren't included, but I couldn't tell for sure. Is that is that correct?
12: Jake Baldwin, senior project engineer. No, those scores are not included currently in the scoring. Um, that's what the MPO is going to be working on later this year is how to incorporate equity into the scoring. But we just wanted to, to show um, that on maps just to let you know that staff is considering equity when we choose projects from our list. All
1: right. Great. Thank you
6: if I can add to that real quick, Jessica Morton, your transportation planning manager. So we know that one of the work programs we're going to do this year is to update the pedestrian plan. And so we recognize that we anticipate there could be some additional changes to the project list. And so one of the things and or some other criteria we want to reevaluate for scoring. And so rather than because we don't feel like it will impact a lot of the projects already at the top um, of the list for a single year of project improvement, we wanted to not update the scoring and then have to update it again after we finished the pedestrian plan we wanted to do it one one time so that was kind of our thought process behind investing more time to update the prioritization now versus waiting a year to do it
1: this commissioner clett um jake on your uh, summary you talked about um uh, uh the highland uh, hilltop and when i was looking at that it it would look like a gap there in terms of the sidewalk is that the one that you mentioned that has has challenges in terms of right away like going from i guess going from highland i think uh west like there's a sidewalk there um, but the project doesn't quite go there. So I'm assuming, I I was trying to remember that, that area is there a a right-of-way issue right there where it stops.
12: Jake Baldwin, senior project engineer, um, right-of-way challenge or right-of-way opportunity. I guess it depends on how you look at it, but yes, there would be easement needed to construct that project.
1: Okay. And so that's why it's not, not included in this, in this project list.
12: Uh, Well, are we talking about, um, P 025
1: in 2023. Uh, Yes. And going, I guess, going west. You know, you look at it and it looks, I mean, there's a sidewalk uh, coming from, coming from the west. And then, you know, that segment that's, that's, you know, that's, that's east of there with a, with a gap in between. And I just wondered, you know, why the project wouldn't include all the way to connect to the existing sidewalk.
0: Dave Current City Engineer, Jake. I think it might be just the way that it got put it on the map. Looking at that map, Uh-huh. your project. Yeah, there you go. I think the no, intention is to go all the way to the, the uh, to the ramp there. Correct, Jake?
12: Yeah, Jake Baldwin, Senior Project Engineer. Yes, the, this whole project would be connecting Highland Drive to, I should say, east of Hilltop Drive. Okay. Make that connection because we've got the controlled crossing there.
4: Okay.
1: Okay. Great. Thank you. Commissioners.
8: Hey, Kuzmiak, MMTC. I had a question about the citizen suggested projects. Um, so I can understand that a couple of them that were submitted either coincide with plans that are already in place or they're not on the overall bike plans or pedestrian plans, but there was a couple that actually did look pretty useful. And I was wondering, kind of, what the thought process was over. Um, I guess not even giving them a code for, say, uh, you know, like a three-digit d- number after the B, right? So, for example, the the Evergy related route that's going to go by the new substation at West Lawrence. Um, it seems like time is of the essence for this particular project because that substation is going to get constructed. So, if we want a bike lane in there to connect that link that's kind of a path to nowhere, then now is kind of the time. So um, I guess th- that's one I was particularly interested in. Although McDonald Drive, it looks like, was uh, suggested by one or two respondents. And that's a that's a pretty central location that has really bad bike and pedestrian infrastructure. So um, I guess I'm curious why that scored so low as well.
12: Um, Jake Baldwin, senior project engineer, um, referencing the, the project suggested to the call call for projects commissioner so um number 15 number 15 is the mcdonald drive project it is included in our pedestrian project list um and is in the bikes plan so it doesn't need to be added to the list it's already scored and in in there
8: okay that makes sense thank you um what about the 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 one from matches and trail to westbrook that'll go past the evergy substation Jake Baldwin, Senior Product Engineer. Which number is that, Commissioner? It, oh, um, in the Citizen suggest Projects? Let me bring it up here real quick. Um, I'm seeing the comments. I'm, I'm trying to think of where in the attachment I saw the suggestions. Oh, here we go. Gotcha. Um, I think no? you're talking about number 13. Yep. Uh, that might be it. Um, that doesn't mention the Atchison Trail or Westbrook or Evergy or anything not sure
0: this is Dave Currence, the engineer the project is b 19 um, so
8: um, it's number 12 maybe because that looks like it might be at Bob Billing south so from Bob Billings south the long Atchison drainage I, yeah I don't know
0: so the project is in our um, in our bike plan and we are looking at the possibility of um, maybe how to, to tie that into their project. I don't have any other details. It's on the radar as an opportunity um, with the construction of that substation.
8: Okay, and which number did you say it was Dave?
0: B zero one nine. And I just uh, pulled that up from our uh, our uh, GIS map. On the. Oh,
8: okay. Project. I see. So here it's called Lawrence Avenue. That's probably why I didn't see it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because it's not Lawrence it. Avenue, I think. Yep. Uh, okay, good. Well, it sounds like as long as that's under consideration and there's there's a plan to engage with Evergy and uh, KU, then that should be good.
1: Just, this, Commissioner Clett, just to clarify, though, on when we look at the the call for non-motorized projects. So we're saying that, was it 12, number 12, that matches up with one that's that's on the radar, it matches up with one of the projects that's on the radar?
12: Jake Baldwin, senior project engineer, yes. So in that, um, I guess you call it the fourth column, is it in the project list? So if it, if it is, it shows up in a pet or bike, then it's already one of our named and numbered projects in the list. So it's already being scored and prioritized.
4: Mm-hmm,
1: OK. Yeah, because I, I guess in this that table, it's it's not clear I mean, it's not clear, um, you know, in terms of feedback. I guess to the people who submitted these suggestions, kind of clear that um, how they're how they're being considered. You know, and, that, and having a little more detail in that table, if people are looking at at that. Um, to be able to understand, you know, where we're at in the in the process that, you know, it's, it's something that's not going to be considered or that it that it is, but it's, you know, it's, it's down the road, just a little bit. But The fact that it says yes, in the column, it's in the Lawrence bikes plan, and that that indicates that That's a, that's a
8: project under consideration. Nick Kuzmiak, MMTC, I had a kind of more random technical question here. Um, for pedestrian projects, P O 66 and 065, um, they're really expensive on a linear foot basis. What is special about that otherwise? You know mundane block of suburbia that makes it so expensive like 10 times as much as any other project on a linear foot basis
12: jake baldwin senior project engineer commissioner can you help me what page is that on on our uh
8: five so it's so and i guess this is just another comment here i guess they're they're organized by score right so um yeah, I just keep looking for an alphabetical order, and they're not. <laughs> that's not how they are. So OK, yeah, if, if you Control-F for PO65 and PO66. Did I get that right? Yeah, PO65 is listed at $1,000 per linear foot, and then PO66 is $2,300 per linear foot. I mean, that sounds like a concrete boardwalk. Um, I'm I'm curious to see how that cost got so high.
12: Jake Baldwin, Cedar Project Engineer. I'm not familiar enough with the the estimates on those two to really give you an answer tonight, but I can definitely get back to you on that.
8: Okay. I mean, almost looks like it's just a misplaced decimal, which would make a lot more sense. But I gotta ask.
1: Other other questions or comments?
8: Um. Excuse me, Evan One more for me. Um, I feel like we've discussed this maybe in 2019 or 2020, but why don't bike projects have a dollar per linear foot estimate as well?
12: Jake Baldwin, Senior Project Engineer, uh, Commissioner. Excuse me. I, I think the the best answer there is we're still working on getting the estimates for the facility type, and um, I, I think that's something that we're going to probably get figured out this year. Uh, but the analysis is ongoing. We had some interns help and do some legwork on that earlier this year, but it just hasn't been checked yet, so I don't feel comfortable reporting numbers.
8: Okay, I understand. So is it fair to say that, you know, MSL staff is really familiar with pedestrian projects and crosswalks and is pretty easily able to estimate costs, but maybe not so much with uh, shared use paths or other bike infrastructure?
12: Jake Baldwin, senior project engineer. Uh, I think we're not really comparing apples to apples um, if we do that with our bike projects because each facility type is going to you know, be costing different. If, you, if you're just putting um, shared markings on a road over a mile, it's going to cost a lot less than a shared use path. And so you're not going to see that comparison the numbers. When we look at our pedestrian projects and, and use that um, quartile system for, for cost per linear foot those are all sidewalk projects. So they're easily comparable. And in fact, I even pulled out the numbers for the crossings because it wasn't making a good comparison to have a crossing per linear foot cost compared to a sidewalk per linear foot cost. That makes sense. I kind
8: of understand. Thanks. Can
0: you that?
1: This is Commissioner Clapp. This is just a, you know, a little technicality. But on the uh, on the agenda item report on the second page, where it says alignment to strategic plan, and it says strong welcoming neighborhoods, it, it makes sense that it also should include the infrastructure or asset management um, category. I can't remember what exactly that category is, but since we're we're talking about infrastructure, that that should be included as well.
6: Jessica Morton, your transportation planning manager. You can't fault us always because you can only choose one. Oh, okay. You only get one choice. (laughs) One. (laughs) Okay.
4: That's a good explanation.
8: (laughs) The Kuzmiak MMTC, is that because of the system used for crafting the agendas, or is that just how the strategic plan is laid out? Because the last one was not like that. Um, You can include multiple things on the previous plan, right?
6: I think they thought maybe people were just checking all the boxes. Um, no, you can only choose one on any of the reports that you do, where you send anything to memos for commission. You get one one choice.
8: Seems kind of short sighted on the part of the people who were responsible for the strategic plan. I mean, wouldn't you w- w- want to show that a certain project actually is affecting multiple parts of it, and therefore is maybe a more holistic and better project? Maybe that's just me. I don't know. Seems like that'd be useful.
1: Well, I think but, in our reporting we can include both. So, I mean, we have a matrix that, you know, looks at the strategic plan as well as our our goals, and we can we can indicate both. So, we're not we're not constrained by that.
12: Hey, uh, this is Jake Baldwin, senior project engineer. Uh, Chair, Collette, um, when I was referencing in that agenda item where the new outcome areas and asset management is not one of the new outcome areas.
4: Yeah.
12: So, yeah, when we feel that, um, you know, we're going to touch on multiple outcome areas, that's where we'll have to address it in the text of the memo.
1: So it's not, the, what I had before was infrastructure, asset management, and connectivity. So that's not one of the outcome areas anymore. Is that correct?
4: Jake
12: Baldwin, senior project engineer, that is correct. Okay. Yeah, this is this
0: engineer. That is now um, being referred to as connected cities or connected city. So what? You know, that asset management um, um, outcome has been renamed to connected city. So we did, did note that at the bottom of the memo because we couldn't select more than one uh, strategic plan outcome. So it does, it does also align with that outcome of connected city.
4: Okay.
1: other other comments before we make a motion to approve other questions
8: Excuse me. uh sorry nick kuzmiak mmtc charlie i recall on the um one of the previous discussions that we had around this that there was a couple of changes i think you're open to see based on what seemed to be maybe a more important um or a more i guess a more universally useful Pedestrian project, like for example, I think the one that you were talking about was on Iowa Street between was Harvard or University and Bob Billings or Fifteenth. Um, I'm just kind of curious to hear your your thoughts on this one. Um, if there was any, I guess orders that that we should shift based on things that maybe don't come out quite as explicitly in the pure rankings. And sorry to put you on the spot. I just feel like you usually have pretty good ideas around this stuff, so.
9: Well, sure, Commissioner Bryan, MMTC. Uh, I felt like I was kind of in a minority in my comments back then, so I kind of just decided to let it go. Um, My concern primarily is that it's a major arterial, it's a highway, and the way the way a pedestrian would navigate the east um, side of Iowa, at that section, uh, there's nothing that warns them that the sidewalk ends and then they have to either backtrack going back north to the intersection where there's a stoplight or they can just decide on their own to cross, you know, jaywalk, which seems dangerous. And I, so I just feel like there's a kind of unique situation with that stretch of Iowa street that if it can be built, I would prioritize that um, <clears throat> just by, the, by that principle. I mean, I feel like arterial streets, especially extremely busy ones like highways, we should minimize any pedestrian crossing that's not in a controlled intersection.
8: Do you think that there are any other projects on the list at this point that could or should be supplanted for it? I was trying to do some analysis last night uh, from my homework here, and I guess it it was hard for me to just make a decision of, well, this one looks like it's more important or less important because... I mean, the scores do tell you some of the story, but then when you pair that with the EJ zone designation as well, like that adds an extra layer. So it's just, it can get very complicated very quickly. And I think a lot of it is almost subjective as well. Um, I guess I couldn't really find any good spot for it that wouldn't take away from another important project, but
9: over to interpretation. It, I, I believe it was a fairly expensive project. And part of what discussion that night was about you know, how much are you getting how much bang for your buck and because the linear feet seemed not very high for the amount of money um, because of the type of project it is i think that was why there was little support for it so
1: this is commissioner Klitt. could you clarify what section you're talking about on on iowa you're talking about from
9: uh, basically I think it's university street going south towards the university okay. um, 15th and it's on the east side. Help right. me, David, if I got that wrong or someone else,
8: I think that's correct. Jake, um, senior
12: project engineer. I'll, I'll bring it up here shortly on the screen. I, I,
9: my, my concern is that we. You know, I really appreciate having the sort of the complex approach that we have now to thinking about these projects, but at the end of the day, it just. concerns me that we let a. Little section of our arterial network. um, Go and I guess i'm not familiar enough with are there other. Gaps on our arterial network. That were. You know. Just excluding because this complex, you know, approach is kind of lowers the priority on them and is that just in principle is that right. But, you know, I also appreciate the work the staff has done to provide a way to put context around the entire set of projects. I guess I may ask the question of staff. I mean, is there, other than the fact that that it doesn't seem like a very cost effective project, are there concerns about leaving that gap in the sidewalk network that you have?
12: Jake Baldwin, senior project engineer. I believe the concern was always based around that cost per linear foot, recognizing that it was going to take a lot of funding from within this program to complete this project. And when we've got similar projects that are very close in priority or similar, maybe, you know, we should be spending it on kind of low hanging fruit. I I kind of remember us tossing around that term, looking for the low hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. Um, but at some point, uh, I think you're right. And that the priority of, of a project like this or the one on ninth street, um, will eventually, once that low-hanging fruit's gone, we're gonna, you know, you're gonna have to make the decision to, you know, bite the bullet and and get those built because the the demand is there.
9: Commissioner Bryant, MMTC. Yeah, the Ninth Street Project's another one. It's one of those, it's undeniable that it's an important place to provide safety for anyone that's not driving a car. Um, And the the road seems pretty narrow right there. Up at, you know, Ninth, going toward Iowa.
8: Hey, Kuzmiak, MMTC. So as I'm kind of taking a second glance at this list of pedestrian projects, I'm seeing that there are two projects, uh, P033 and 034, that are um, a pretty significant stretch of sidewalk on a road that does not have any sidewalk. Um, it's the Castle Drive project and Trail to Tomahawk. So 2024 is when the w- west side is going in, and then 2026 is when the east side is going in. I wonder, does the since they're two years apart, would the scoring of the east side change once the west side is in, um, because now you don't lo- no longer have a gap. So I don't I'd have to go to the actual ranking to to see if that's the case. But currently they're they're ranked right next to each other, so that they both have the exact same score. But would that score go down once there is no longer a sidewalk gap from the west side of Castle? Senior Project Engineer
12: Jake Baldwin, Yes, within our scoring matrix, it would lose one point of priority, going right from all. a five to a four.
8: Okay. Um, Yeah, I almost wonder if the second part of that project, the east side, could be replaced by something like um, that sidewalk on Iowa Street, simply because there's a lot more pedestrians in that area, um, given that it's right in between the two sides of the university and kind of in the middle of town. Whereas, you know, no offense to the neighborhoods up on Castle Drive, but most foot traffic there is going to be jogging and walking dogs, whereas most foot traffic near the university is people having to get to and from their daily activities, which I would assume means has you know, a, a lot more pedestrians in a hurry by a higher speed road. I don't know. Um, I mean, it feels bad to deprioritize other projects, but such as the case of limited resources and infinite desire, right? Um, I don't know. Charlie, do you think it's worth it to try to See if we can find a way to slot in Iowa Street because the, the more I go down there, the, the more I am starting to see like that's a huge gap um, because crossing Iowa's not easy um, anywhere but those uh, signalized intersections.
9: Well, can we get a reminder on what the cost is? I don't think yeah. it was insignificant.
12: Jake Baldwin, senior project engineer, our planning level estimate for the iowa street project is about four hundred thousand dollars okay and, and to clarify this wouldn't add any crossings of iowa street right okay
9: right commissioner brian mmtc basically it helps to prevent uh an, an inappropriate crossing of iowa where that sidewalk ends i i also heard that night kind of the suggestion that there might be some other ways of properly um, messaging about the end of that sidewalk. Uh, I don't know if that was ever done, but and I don't know if such messaging even exists. Like, if that's a standard kind of thing you could do. Kind of like yeah, a dead end sign.
12: Jake Baldwin, senior project engineer. We can definitely con- consult the MUTCD to see if there's any options that are warranted within those guidelines.
9: I mean really it's the only safe place to cross is Harvard, right? So that's you're traveling several blocks before you discover, oh, I should have crossed the street. That's the concern. And if you're not familiar with this community, if you're, you know, a new student at KU, maybe living in the neighborhood up there, who knows.
8: Mm-hmm T C and um and I'm not entirely sure that all that students are always looking, you know, both ways, being really prudent with their crossing. Having been a student once myself, <laughs> it was a lot easier to think you're invincible back in the day. So I almost wonder if the the high speed, the lack of visibility with that crest of the hill, um, are, are all kind of a perfect storm for for potential incidents. That being said, I did just check out the ArcGIS map just to see there aren't any recorded pedestrian collisions there. So maybe it's not a problem but i do remember jessica saying a while back that the pedestrian crash data is spotty at best um the car crash data is significantly more clear um and that there are a lot of dots shown on the map at that spot but that's not really what we're worried about so i don't know um kind of a tricky situation
9: commissioner o'brien mmtc is there are there other arterials that have uh, gaps and sidewalks on both sides or is this it
12: Jake Baldwin senior project engineer off the top of my head um, the castle projects okay. and these are about the only ones I can think of but I would have to
9: consult the list Commissioner Bryan, MmTC that that sounds right and the castle um, project well that's also an arterial. arterial. The traffic volume i can't imagine it gets close to iowa street at least at this point even when that I, I think even fully developed i'm not sure that traffic volume would ever estimate to be close to what it is on iowa
8: nick kuzmiak mmtc i think these are the kind of good discussions that we need to have going forward um as we noted in the latter half of last year, there is some change that could happen once we really dig deeper into these rankings and see what they mean. I'm wondering if at this point, it's probably best to table the discussion for a latter part of the year when we'll maybe discuss future years at the CIP, Um, mostly because as we've learned, every once in a while, grants happen, uh, funding happens, things, things change, projects that look like we're gonna be on the hook for the entire, budget turn out to be you're only on the hook for 10% of the budget so I mean it's always possible that there could be a spot opening up or a a need to shift around projects so I mean I would say looking at this list as of now 2022, 2023, 2024 they all look pretty good to me personally Um, it's the latter two years that are um, more questionable but also more subject to change as we as time passes so um, I don't know how the rest of y'all feel about that but it it seems to me at least i got i'd be ready to do a motion to approve at this point
1: any other discussion
9: can i I, commissioner brian mmtc i guess i would be curious um as complex as the algorithm has become for this is there something that That we could do that would make the the Iowa Street project. um, I guess I'm wondering what could be done differently to kind of acknowledge that this feels like we're missing something, or is it just a matter of like us remembering? Because I I'm I'm a little worried that you know if we're recognizing this now in another year or two years, depending on who's here. I mean, honestly, Nick, I was surprised you brought it up because I felt like I was just a lone wolf out there. And I know sometimes I'll (laughs) walk out there on that ledge. But I just thought, well, there's just not interest in this. So I thought, you know, it's kind of like I think about some discussions that we're going to have one day about Wakarusa, a road that needs some serious work. Further south, you get. You know if you're not familiar with that part of town you're probably not understanding just how bad it is so i thought well i guess people aren't looking at iowa right there commissioner collat
1: is this is the first year for the use of the prioritization scale
9: is that correct no we've used this a few times and we it gets tweaked a little bit so that's kind of where i'm asking the question is there something something done something else we need to think about um I guess one of the things that comes to mind is we're we're kind of narrowing this down to a single number and that's then trumping all other considerations. And I wonder if there's a different way to mm-hmm. do the analysis that provides us some yeah, other when context. Commissioner
1: Clett, when I looked at that list, there were an awful lot of 16s. There's <laughs> like a, a mm-hmm. huge chunk of, uh, of same score. You know, now that wasn't including adding EJ or or transportation disadvantaged into that score but um a big chunk of them right right in the middle that um you know it's hard to d- distinguish
12: yeah
1: you know one project from the other based on that uh ranking
12: jake baldwin <laughs> senior project engineer uh, i was just going to add uh, commissioner O'Brien that you know our, our policy ranks and scores the projects and we use that as a guide to choose projects to be funded. So if the commission directed us to, to fund a project that scored differently than a project that was selected, that's definitely a possibility. And um, I think that if, if you're considering adding a different metric for scoring to the, the prioritization policy, that might be a part of the broader discussion of Jessica's work with the regional pedestrian plan update.
0: This is Dave Currency, the engineer. I would just chime in that this spring does show um, castled in Iowa higher than projects that we've put in the selected in the five-year CIP. We we had Iowa in in there a couple years ago, two or three years ago, maybe in the first year as a project in one of the outer years, but the cost was high and we started looking at it. And I think through conversations with the MMTC back then um, decided to to pull it out. And it was a, we had a similar discussion with, with 9th Street from Avalon to, to Hilltop there, going up the hill on the east side of 9th Street. And we just, and we pulled that one out. Both of those rank higher with the scoring. So I don't know if it's a matter of changing the scoring or it's a matter of just prioritization. So if the majority of the Transportation Commission uh, thinks that's would be more important to do a, a higher cost project and maybe not, you know, instead of three or four lower cost projects, that's, a, that's something we would uh, want to get your uh, input on for sure.
9: Commissioner Brian MMTC. So I think that's really what this comes down to is, you know, that Iowa section is, yeah, there's an opportunity cost so if you went there then you gotta probably defer any project until the 2025 where you have additional funding i'm wondering if there are any other ways of finding funding to support that project with um any kdot programs i mean does this does that section seem just wholly inappropriate as a transportation alternatives or some other program that you guys are familiar with.
4: The
0: uh, engineer I don't know if it would fit transportation alternatives because that's more geared to. Um, bike facilities. Um, I, I, I mean I can't think of one unless there was a if there was a safety issue that it you know if we had a known safety issue with crashes there, there could be potential funding but there's nothing that I'm that I could uh, think of that would prioritize that for any of their KDOT programs um, for Castle or Iowa which are the arterial streets that don't have sidewalks on one side don't have sidewalks on both sides excuse me We're always looking for opportunities through any funds, though. I mean, there's all kinds of different grants that we're that we look at all the time and just try to fit them to projects. So if something ever comes along for gap on highway network or arterial streets, I mean, it's um, you know we're aware that it's a high-scoring project and a need, and it's just trying to you know it's it's just a matter of dollars too. So. If, if the MMTC would like to see that in the five-year plan, <clears throat> I think Jake mentioned it was around $400,000. We would we would need to pull $400,000 worth of projects out of the plan.
1: This is this is Commissioner Collette. What I what I would like to see, I think, is that we um, you know use this list as presented tonight uh the way it is but as jake said at the at the opening those out year projects you know that can always change and that we give some consideration uh this year to to looking at that at that project and and giving more thought to you know whether there are other funding sources or um you know if we're willing to you know to trade that project for you know a two or three other other projects in the in the out years, but uh, um, but, you know, like Dave just said, there's, you know, there's always the chance of some additional funding that we're that we're not thinking of right now. Any other thoughts? Well, I think at, at this point, I'd entertain a, a motion to uh, approve the uh, CIP as, as presented.
8: Nick Kuzmiak, MMTC. I will motion that we approve the 22, sorry, 2022 to 2026 bike and ped CIP for approval as submitted.
1: Is there a second?
11: This is Lauren Freeman. I'll second.
1: Thank you. Kuzmiak, motion. Freeman seconded. Um, we need a, a, a call on the vote to uh, Allie. Yes. Allie
2: Weems, MSO. Charlie Bryan. Yes. Gregory Critchlow. Yeah.
7: <clears throat> yes.
2: Steve Evans. Yes. Carol Bowen. Nick Kuzmiak. Yes. Tom Allen. Yes. Lauren Freeman. Yes. And Pat Collette. Yes. All right, motion passes 8-0. Thank
1: you. Okay, moving on. Uh, uh, consider approving the uh, proposed budget for the 2021 Neighborhood Traffic Management Program. And there are some materials that were attached to our to our agenda, as far as background on the project and uh, the draft uh, call for projects.
3: This, this is Dustin Smith, a senior project engineer with the Municipal Services and Operations. And yeah so the attachments are for the, the second action regarding the, the pilot study draft. There, there is no attachment for the first action, and that's to approve the 2021 budget for the Neighborhood Traffic Management Program. So that number is $275,000, which was in the 2021 MSO budget. And I'll, I'd like to give a quick progress update on on items from the previous year's work plan because we have made a lot of progress in the last uh, few months here with kind of our rollout of the new combined comprehensive program so we did uh, reduce speed limit to 25 miles per hour on all local streets and installed over a thousand new speed limit signs Uh, got most of those signs installed in january Um, we have completed our public outreach and education campaign to encourage safer driver behaviors. Uh, we had kind of a soft close on the campaign last Monday, and so now the post-campaign survey is open. And so I'd like to plug that for for everyone online tonight to uh, um, go take the survey. Let us know how we did, what we could have done better. Um, we also uh, last year purchased traffic speed and volume data collection equipment, and we've collected data on several streets in town, including before and after data for the speed limit sign installs on uh, 16 locations across town, and then before and after data on some of our enforcement efforts at those same locations. And I apologize, I don't have uh, the data available yet. And then we we use that data collection and other reports from residents to inform the locations for our targeted enforcement efforts. And I have some numbers on the enforcement so far. We've done uh, approximately 160 hours of enforcement resulting in approximately 300 contacts. And during those contacts, we distributed 289 informational brochures that have information about the speed limit reduction and the neighborhood traffic management program in general. And then there have been 238 warnings issued and 38 citations that issued for speeding and a reminder that the, these first few weeks of enforcement were focused on, on education, but with the, the officer discretion to issue citations. Um, we also purchased the temporary traffic calming devices that we're going to use during the pilot study and, and then evaluate the effectiveness of those temporary devices to determine what if any uh, permanent traffic calming installations would would be uh, part of the neighborhood traffic management program next year and then finally we developed the draft of the pilot neighborhood study that includes the program overview the application form that the neighborhoods will fill out and then uh, schedule to keep uh, the pilot study so we can get it completed before we anticipate snow in the fall when we have to have the uh, temporary installations removed. So the actual line items in the budget include uh, the first item is the pilot neighborhood study consultant So this is uh, continuing with our consultant that has developed these draft documents. They would be involved with the selection of the neighborhood and then the data collection and design of the temporary installations and the evaluation of the temporary installations to recommend the permanent installations for next year. Uh, The fall public campaign consultant is uh, again, keeping our, our current consultant going through the fall to have a, a relaunch in uh, August, when we anticipate that KU and Haskell students will be back in person. And so we can more effectively reach them. Uh, the enforcement is the enforcement that has been planned all along. And we're finally, uh, after getting the speed limit signs installed, we're finally able to do the enforcement. And so we that's the funds that we've been using for the enforcement that we've already done and and we'll continue through the rest of this year. Uh, Printing for, uh, instead of having that in the consultant budget for the fall relaunch of the campaign, we'll we'll cover that directly from the program budget. And then supplies are uh, kind of nuts and bolts to install the temporary traffic calming devices. And then the the big item is uh, rolling over over half the funds to 2022 to allow some flexibility for those uh, permanent installations, since we don't know the cost of that yet, since we don't even know uh, which neighborhood we're going to do the pilot study in yet. So I think I, I covered all my highlights there. i uh, open it up to any questions for this first action.
1: This is Commissioner Collette. I'm I'm curious about, or uh, the is the pilot study um, tied to or connected to the data collected in the first phase? Is, is there a relationship between the work that's been done so far and um, and kind of the criteria for the for the pilot study? It's Dustin Smith
3: with MSO. Uh... I guess the answer would be not necessarily it. I I think we did uh, try to distribute the data collection efforts across town. And so there is a chance that your, your neighborhood has some data collected that you could use as part of your application, but, but not necessarily we just didn't have the capacity to collect data in all the neighborhoods on the, on the front end.
1: This is Commissioner Clatten. My second question is: Is there any since there's you know 270 or 200 or 150 150 thousand dollars rollover? Is there any possibility that two pilot studies could be could be funded? I I in this budget I don't see exactly how how that's broken out as far as what the you know other than you know I mean printing and all of that kind of stuff. Some of it seems like it wouldn't be duplicated necessarily and whether there was a a potential for funding two pilot studies which might reduce some of the rollover to 2022 but you know perhaps not all of it it just seems like it'd give us more information in terms of you know two different neighborhoods maybe two different approaches um you know that would would inform future action
3: dustin smith with mso and that's a great question because the one thing we've really struggled with with the kind of outlining the application process and the selection process is how to define what a neighborhood is because that that will look different in different areas of town and and how to determine what's a reasonable size of a neighborhood that we can effectively study in one year and so but i i guess i would see potential that if there are you know, applications for a couple uh, smaller footprint areas. That it, it would be possible to do multiple areas in this first pilot study.
1: Yeah, that's some. This is Commissioner Clad, that's something that I would really like to see um, considered uh, as part of part of this budget.
8: Okay. Yep.
1: Other other comments or questions?
8: The Kuzmiak, mm-hmm. MMTC. Mm-hmm. Given that not everybody's vaccinated yet, is there a way that this could be done online? A lot of neighborhood associations haven't had any in person meetings for about a year or so. So um, is there a way to still gather signatures, but not by passing around a sheet of paper? Mm -hmm.
4: Uh,
3: Dustin Smith with MSO. Another good question. I uh, actually hadn't considered that, but a good point. And I mean, I I think a digital signature would be you know, obviously as valid as a, as a hard copy.
8: A uh, quick follow-up question. Those programs usually cost money. And I think since a lot of neighborhoods recently got cut funding, there may not be room in the budget for, you know, a hundred dollar annual subscription to sky slope or docusign or something. Um, is there any, I guess, functionality of the city could take advantage of that you guys already have that could assist neighborhoods in doing something like this i feel like this may be jumping the gun i know that the city recently approved hiring what like four neighborhood planners and it seems like that's probably the route that this could take if they were in place but they're not obviously so um yeah i guess it's it's kind of an unfortunate time to try to do this without contact and without those neighborhood planners but yeah i would would encourage some way to try to make I don't know, a, a non-fancy program digital signature is still valid, and I don't know how to do that <laughs> without inviting, just copying and pasting people's names into programs. So I, I don't know what the answer is, but maybe somebody in the IT department has a tool they could recommend.
3: Dustin Smith with MSO, I, I agree. That's we need to uh, look into and, and hopefully be able to facilitate that with no cost to the neighborhoods.
0: Well, this is. Um, I will jump in, Dave Cronin, City Engineer. Um, we're also trying to, with this pilot program, kind of hit some some deadlines and schedules, and to get the applications here um, as we um, were tentatively planning on June the first um, would help us then uh, go through a process to evaluate the applications and select a neighborhood so that we could get the data this fall. Um, when students return and hopefully traffic gets a little back you know more back to normal um, that then we could um, get that data this fall and then use that for um, installing temporary traffic calming devices getting before and after data before the end of the year before it gets to you know end of november and and traffic volumes start uh, decreasing so some of this, um, with the, uh, this pilot program and the schedule that we have is kind of contingent on keeping things moving forward. And I know that it, um, it's challenging time to, uh, get, uh, notification and get signatures and, um, but we're, you know, we wanted to do a pilot and focus on one neighborhood to see how it worked and to see what the cost is too. So if we're, I guess the to back to the question uh, from Commissioner Colette on multiple neighborhoods. If we commit to doing that and getting the data, I don't know if we have, you know, if we take two larger neighborhoods, if we have enough temporary equipment to put it all out at once and then get all of the data for two neighborhoods and then uh, the before and after data on um and then and then realistically be able to fund a construction project next year for two neighborhoods so that's there's a lot of unknowns if if we do that Um, so i just wanted to point that out Um, so i i right now i would say this is that's why we're going to call it a pilot because it's probably not a perfect uh system or application yet um but I know there's a lot of uh, neighborhoods that need um, that would meet the need. It's going to be hard to select one, or if we choose to select two, it's going to be very difficult to do that. But again, we, we want to try to focus on keeping it as a pilot so that we can then um, adapt as we go go along to change uh, change the process or the timing or the way we collect data or anything that that we do around this. So I would just uh, wanted to point that out as well uh, on the schedule.
1: This is commissioner. Collette. Um, I guess, um, given that, could we, could we leave it open that if, you know, since you don't know the, the scale of the projects that you might get, you know, and something might be, you know, like, you know, like we discussed, maybe a you know it's a larger neighborhood and more complex, but you know, in some cases, maybe it's a very limited scope proposal. Um, you know, so that, to leave it open that that it would be one to two projects funded and in, in based on what you know what projects you you received what proposals you received from neighborhoods.
0: uh Dave currency engineer i think we could we could leave it open at this point and have that discussion as we get the applications but i think when we bring those back and and start looking at maybe the size that, or the or the neighborhoods that submit then we may want to have a have this conversation on if we you know depending on the scale and the size of the neighborhood if we have the resources to do more than one
1: right thank you other other comments on the on the on the proposal for the budget
7: that this is Steve Evans Um, it sounds like we may be ready for a motion and I'm prepared to do that but before I'd like to before I do that I'd like to remind everybody how far we've come in the last four or five years. And, you know, you're not, maybe Dustin and Dave, not seeing a whole lot of enthusiasm here, but it's hidden, I can guarantee you. And um, keeping in mind where we started the first year, um, we'd have 15 people lined up at City Hall to talk about traffic calming along one block or two blocks in a neighborhood. And um, although that was valid, and I think we made a difference in some of those cases, many of those cases, if you look at that point in time compared to this program that we're looking at now, we've traveled many, many miles. And um, I just really want to be complimentary to the work staff has done to get us where we are now. It's too bad that COVID has slowed this down a little bit, but um, it, it, this, is, it, this is a big deal to me. And I'm really very grateful that um, we have something like this that we can nip away at a little bit. Um, so with that, thanking staff for all the work on this I'd like to make a motion that we approve the um, proposed budget as presented for the 2021 neighborhood traffic management program.
1: Thank you, Steve. Is there
8: a second? MMTC. I would second that. Thank you. And I would also say that partly the reason that the enthusiasm is hidden is because I, for one, actually at this point take it for granted, because it's such a well-oiled machine (laughs) of how well this is coming along. (laughs)
1: Great, thank you. Okay, motion by Evans, second by Kuzmiak. Um Ellie, could you take the take the uh the vote please?
2: Allie Weems, MSO, Charlie Bryan.
9: I have vote to approve.
2: Gregory Critchlow. Steve Evans. Approved. Carol Bowen. All right. Nick Kuzmiak? Approved. Tom Allen.
4: Approved.
2: Lauren Freeman.
4: Approved.
2: And Pat Collette.
1: Approved. That passes 8-0. Thank you. Okay, moving on to the second action item to pro, um, to uh, provide feedback on the neighborhood traffic management program pilot study uh, draft documents. And that was also attached to your uh, to your packet.
3: Uh, Dustin Smith with MSO again, and yeah, I think we kind of talked about some some of this, or you know, did uh, get into the pilot study a little bit with the previous item. So uh, again, we'll be selecting one neighborhood, possibly uh, more, if depending on what the applications look like, what the the size of the the scope of the individual applications allow for, possibly more than one, um, and. So then evaluate the existing condition and implement temporary traffic calming devices and evaluate the temporary devices for possible permanent installations next year. Um, So the attachments include an overview of the pilot neighborhood study program, uh, the application form that the the neighborhoods would fill out, and then uh, the schedule that we uh, discussed a little bit earlier as well. So these documents, uh, we did uh, email all of these to the neighborhood association contacts that we have and the uh, additional stakeholders that we've identified. A lot of them associated with the public outreach and education campaign stakeholders that helped us distribute materials for the for the campaign. And uh, we did not receive any comments on the content of the documents, but there were several uh, neighborhoods that expressed you know, enthusiasm and excitement to get the program started and participate in the program. And I, I think Dave covered pretty well that the schedule is kind of driven by, you know, making sure we get everything completed so we can pull up the temporary stuff before bad weather in the winter, and to to be able to do the evaluation when the students are are active and in town in the, in the fall. And with that all open up to any questions again
1: this is commissioner clett uh, dustin could you uh, talk a little bit about uh, dissemination of the um, application how you plan to do that you mentioned that you'd send it out to the neighborhood associations already for a comment on the on the application uh, what would you envision as far as uh, outreach
3: uh, throughout the community. So, uh, Dustin Smith with MSO, I would anticipate, you know, we, again, would, would email those same contacts and, and, but then we also did have a, a a push on social media just to get, uh, these draft documents out and let people know that, that they were available for review and comment. Um, and I guess we have discussed uh, if we had a, a little longer timeline for these draft documents to keep everything on schedule. We we discussed doing uh, maybe a, a public style Q and A meeting, and I think that that may be appropriate for the when the application process is actually open. To you know, I, I assume there are going to be lots of questions, and and I think it would be helpful to, to have that in the public forum so everybody could get the same answers at the same time.
1: That's a great idea. Other questions from commissioners? Or comments? I didn't. In, in looking through the the application i didn't see anything that i mean everything looked fairly straightforward to me and so but it, but i do think that idea of a public forum to answer questions you know would would be helpful to to some neighborhoods to, you know to be able to to get that those details answered and avoid having to answer the questions over and over again too so
3: uh, Dustin Smith with MSO, I may follow up. I forgot to mention that um, provided no major uh, revision is required from anything we hear tonight, you know we intend to, to get the application out and open tomorrow, and then it, the applications will be due June 1st.
1: Okay. Any recommendations from commissioners for modifications? if not then i'd entertain this is my-
9: commissioner brian go ahead
1: uh
9: thank you i just think it would be important to um post information about this to the next door website I know, the city has an account and has used it quite a bit i think that website would be a good place to reach neighborhoods that might be less organized
3: Dustin Smith with MSO that's yeah that's definitely on the list that's I've heard that's that's maybe the most active social media interaction with the city
1: and notice that there were a lot of comments coming back in terms of the outreach for information about the the public information campaign so that was those were coming in kind of fast and furious today when I looked at it so uh, it, it seems to be a, a forum that that people are are looking at okay i entertain a motion for approving the uh, draft um, neighborhood traffic management pilot program application
0: this is here i don't know if we need a motion on this I think we have a pretty good direction. We will, a couple of things that, um, as far as the one versus two neighborhoods, we did put in there, we anticipate one neighborhood, but that would still leave us open to selecting two. The other thing was getting signatures. We'll see if there's anything we can do to to uh, help that process out instead of getting physical signatures. So those are a couple of things that we'll, we will be flexible on as we, Release this and then uh, have a information meeting with the neighborhood neighborhoods before we get uh, proposals back, applications back. So, okay,
4: thank you.
1: All right, let's move on to staff items. Uh, regional ITS.
6: So this is something, this is Jessica your transportation planning manager. We wanted to just provide an update to you about, um, the MPO has been working on our update to the Lawrence Douglas County Regional ITS architecture. And that's the technology behind much of the transportation systems that you all talk about regularly. This is a high level regional plan. Um, It's federally required and it updates the existing plan that was done almost seven years ago at this point um, that we're getting ready to impart next later this week on a 15-day public comment period um, for this plan. And so you can look at the plan. Um, we've included a list of the ITS projects because the entire plan isn't posted yet. We're working on finishing that Um, for you to get a little insight about some of the work happening regionally around this um, might be something you want to consider in future discussions. I know you've probably had some conversation in the past about signal coordination as the city's deployed certain programs. A lot of it's operational. Um, Other things like parking management um, or work zone management, um, for ITS in the region, do you want me just to keep going on the next one on the list, or do you gonna do you have to? I guess do you entertain discussion about each of these?
1: I guess if, this is Commissioner Clegg. If there are any questions of Jessica about the about the ITS, I looked through that and it's an amazing list of <laughs> of. Um, Potential applications over over time. So, um, okay. Why don't you go ahead then? Okay.
6: Um, The next item, just to update you about the process, is the countywide bikeway plan. Um, The Lawrence Bikes Plan was adopted separately in August of 2019. So this is the portion of all of the other cities and the unincorporated parts of the county for the regional planning efforts. Um, And so while it doesn't pertain to your implementation of projects, there is one particular thing of you to note, which is the plan provides a recommendation for routes of the U.S. bike network and the. American Discovery Trail. And I know that's something um, the interstate connections um, that this group has mentioned before, although it's been a while ago. Um, So that might be something you want to take a look at. We'll have a 30-day public comment period. Again, plan to start later this week. I don't have anything to show you yet. Uh, Or I guess I actually did include the we put on the link on here for the draft plan, but this is not necessarily the one that's going out for public comment. This is the one that the BAC recently saw um, last week that they approved to go out to public comment. I think there's a few things we had to change on it, Um, but that's that information. And um, for your consideration, there's some stuff you might just wanna review as citizens or MMTC members. This is not a plan though that will come back for your consideration. Um, since it's not really in your jurisdiction to implement many of the elements of the unincorporated parts of the county or the small cities.
1: Any any questions of Jessica on on, on this plan? So we can just take a look at it. And, uh, you know, if we have individual comments that we want to make to you, send, send those to you, would that be the well, I guess you'll have it yeah. when you
6: put it when you post it. So Yeah, Jessica Morton, your Transportation Planning Manager. Yeah, when we post it, there's the public comment period, so we have a few kind of specifically directed questions about it, about some of the stuff in the plan. Also, um I think if we end up doing working to establish any of those routes or do anything that incorporates like signage or other stuff within the city, I think that would come back as a separate action or information item to you.
10: Okay, great. Thank you. Gregory Kucho so. Oh, mmtc uh jessica is that is that plan mostly a regional opportunity for connectivity it's not really focused in it's focused in between county or jurisdictions as opposed to in one particular jurisdiction correct
6: so it's everything in Douglas County except for Lawrence in terms of network. So it's Eudora, Baldwin City, LeCompton, and all the unincorporated parts of the county. So we did, there is alignment on the network and connectivity to the Lawrence Bikes Plan where it does connect um, in within city limits. And it does show in one part how that network kind of ties together, um, but it's not overriding the Lawrence Bikes Plan. The Lawrence Bikes Plan is specific to Lawrence. So this does have some elements where you're talking about like connections and alignments, um, but it is all the stuff that's outside of city limits of Lawrence.
10: Okay, thank you. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: All right, how about... T 2040, I assume this is this is you too, Jessica.
6: Yes, <laughs> Jessica Morton, your transportation planning manager. We wanted to provide you an update um, that there have been some, it's just a data update of some measures that have been updated. So about quarterly, there are different measures when data becomes available to our T2040 performance report. That's the one I highlighted earlier with the 27 measures. And so um, there's some measures that have newly updated data, and that information is available for viewing on our our website.
1: And just to clarify, clarify, these were, when I looked at it, you said that before they didn't have targets, but now now you've got those targets
6: in there or? Jessica Mortinger, transportation planning manager. None of the local data points have targets. So in of all the 27 measures, the ones that are federally required have federally required targets. You have to set a target. The local measures, since this was our first performance-based plan and we were really really unsure in some cases about data availability and reporting, we didn't set targets, we set trends. So we said ideally we'd like this to go up or we'd like it to go down. Um, When we do the new plan, we'll decide if we're going to set targets for more. This time as we're getting more accustomed to doing targets. Mm -hmm. Um, However, this is nothing to do with targets or trends. This is just reporting on data um and so there's a process for us to do that as we accept more data to update the report because formally updating the report updates that appendices in t2040. okay All
1: right any other any questions from commissioners on the performance measures
0: okay thank you uh
1: south lawrence Way update
0: this, this one's mine. Dave Cronin, city engineer. So, KDOT and the Federal Highway Administration has recently released the draft uh, Supple, supplemental environmental impact statement for uh, the K Ten South Lawrence Trafficway West leg improvements. Um, this is it's been about a three-year uh, process to uh, update the the EIS for K Ten. Uh, they are primarily looking at um, the impacts of a tolled alternative to adding lanes to k-10 there from iowa to um, i-70 and they were also evaluating the impacts of where the um, uh, access would be for farmers turnpike whether it would be at the existing location or maybe further to the west so um, they've uh, our recommend uh, the recommendation from that study is is not tolling the improvements um, for for k10 in that corridor and to have a system to system um, interchange with access to farmers turnpike um, in pretty much the location where uh, it's at today in that location there so i did want to note that this is out for public review and comment for anyone that is interested Uh, In the study, it does not speak to when the improvements may be funded, um, but it is uh, important that this gets uh, completed and documented before the project proceeds to final design and construction. So with any of the improvements um, on K-10, as they do interact with city streets with interchanges, we will have discussions with um, KDOT to uh, incorporate uh, multimodal facilities into um, interchanges in city streets that are uh, constructed with that project so um, with that i would uh, stand for any questions on that the, the link in the agenda item does not link to the web page but if you copy and paste um, that hyperlink you will get to the uh, the web page for that study and uh, that document so i would stand for any questions and if not I've got one other staff item before commission items. So, is
1: that, this is Commissioner Clad. I just have a quick question. I didn't have a chance to take a look at that, but none of this impacts the alignment of the South Florence of the uh, of the uh, loop, basically the you know the the bikeway along SLT. Is that correct,
0: Dave Cronin, City Engineer? this project will impact, uh, portions of the loop, the Clinton, you know, in the area of Clinton parkway interchange there, where we have that, where the curve, they will be changing the geometrics of that. So the, um, you know, some of the Lawrence loop sections out there will be, uh, moved along, uh, or, or, or realigned to Clinton parkway, uh, through that area. So, um, there are portions that will be reconstructed as well as, you know, with the 27th and K 10 interchange, uh, project where we have that at grade crossing that will slightly be, uh, moved, but it'll, it generally speaking, you know, the loop will, you know, they will put back sections of the loop with, with the project. So,
1: okay. Thank you
0: and yeah when when we have uh more detailed plans we'll share those if there's any anything that we need to uh uh, get feedback on um one final item um tonight is ali's last meeting here with us Um, she's uh moving on to um I guess take a part-time internship with the city of Eudora as she begins, um, studying uh, for a degree in uh, public administration at KU. So uh, we want to wish her well. She's really does a lot of work uh, to help us out for uh, minutes and agenda item posting and really, you know, a lot of stuff. So I'm running the meetings and so just wanted to recognize her and all of her contributions, uh, not only to this, uh, board and its work, but also to our department, uh, that all the work that she's, that she does, uh, day to day. So wanted to, uh, thank Allie for her service. And then, um, as well, introduce everyone to Josephine Gonzalez, who's also, um, uh, with our administrative staff and in our department that she's as some insights of some of the work that we do, and uh, Allie's been kind of training her here over the last couple of weeks to kind of take the reins and, and help us out uh, going forward. So you'll see um, Josephine um, in the future, but uh, just wanted to wish Allie well. Yeah,
1: thank you, Allie. Congratulations. Thanks for all of your support. Thank you so much. <laughs> You guys have been great.
0: <laughs> well, that is all that I had for staff items. And there might be an announcement under commission items as well. So I'll just turn it over to commission items.
4: Okay,
1: great. Thank you. Um, first uh, item on commission items, uh, PTAC update. Um, Nick, do you have the?
8: I have a little bit. Um Mac, MMTC, and PTAC in this capacity. Um, so the... Transit Hub is continuing to chug along. I think at this point, we have had a, um, I think they're calling it the Multimodal Transfer Facility Immersion Process, which has basically been kind of a a concerted effort to get public input and feedback on the the kind of features that are going to be going into the Transit Center. So um, more on that as it progresses, I suppose. Um, An interesting item that has been kind of plopped before us on. P-TECH that I think is not necessarily um, uh, reflected in our agenda, at least for last month, is that that there's a new business on Vermont Street between 7th and 8th, which as you know, is the current transfer center for all the buses of the city. Uh, It was a previously abandoned building, it's now a gym, and there's been concern from the owners and managers that the buses cause a safety concern by being in front of the building, so um, on P-TECH, the commissioners we have fairly mixed feelings over the whole thing we understand the concern from the business but also are am not entirely sure how how to avoid setting a precedent for other potentially similar requests for businesses in the future so we're going to be talking about that at next month's meeting and see if we can come to some kind of compromise or at least be able to um i guess better standardize our approach to uh, requests like these so we'll see how that goes it should be interesting that's kind of been ongoing for a year and and we finally got to the point where it's a true agenda item now that's all i have from p-tech
1: great thank you nick this is commissioner Plant. um I, I sat in on one of the um one of the uh, study sessions or public meetings that was targeted to um advisory committees and you know, city and and university advisory groups unfortunately they had a lot of technical difficulties and uh so you know we spent quite a bit of time uh, just kind of dealing with those and audio and all of that but there was quite a bit of discussion in that in ter- particularly at the at the um, um, 15th street site um, you know in terms of access you know bike pedestrian access security, um, some of those those kinds of issues so, um, and I expect there there will be more more opportunities for discussion as as they move forward. Okay. Um, what about the transit route redesign committee update? Um, I don't know. Char- Charlie and Carol. Uh, <laughs> since Carol's having problems with her audio today, Charlie, maybe you can uh, provide the update.
9: I don't have anything to update from the group. I think we had our meeting. um, The last meeting I attended was just over a month ago. So I think that was. I might have missed a meeting. My schedule's been a bit challenging lately with all the vaccination work we're doing at the health department. Yeah, I bet.
0: This is Dave Kranz, the engineer. Looks like Carol, although we can't hear audio, did put a note in the chat transit route redesign, the presentation and communication materials are being developed. It seems similar to our neighborhood communication efforts. And I believe uh, today a a survey went out.
6: um, Yeah, Jessica Mortinger, transportation planning manager, a survey went out from transit, the first of many as part of this process. So um, they kicked it off with the hopes to engage KU students before they leave. um, Recognizing though that the survey is planned to be open for a few months. So there will be more engagement around that to make sure that they have appropriate response from a representative number of people that are riders and non-riders of different routes.
0: Thanks, Jessica. Great, thank you.
1: Other commission items? Uh, yes, Lauren.
11: Yeah, this is Lauren Freeman. Um, I also have an announcement. So this will also be my last meeting, unfortunately. Um, I'm actually in the same program as Allie but a year ahead. And uh, the second year, we look for full time work experience. And uh, hope I hoped to stay in the area, but I actually accepted a job offer in Wisconsin. So I'll be moving out there in June. So I'm sad to say goodbye to you all. I've really enjoyed and learned a lot uh, serving on the commission. And I'm sad to leave soon, but I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to work with all of you.
1: Yeah. Thanks for your contributions, Lauren. And, and congratulations on your, uh, on your placement. That's a, it's a great program. Thank you. Okay. Other commission items. Steve, I wondered if you uh, and and Dave maybe might want to just provide a little uh, information about the uh, riverfront project and the and the uh, study session that we're
0: looking at.
7: Um, Dave, would you like to be my guest? Go ahead.
0: Sure. Um, so yeah, I guess moving forward, to, uh, count. Cal- I guess we can move forward and just talk about that under calendar. Um, um there's a, a, a group of citizens that have gotten together and um, to create um, a, a presentation that they presented to some city staff but about improvements to um, connectivity of uh, of bike ped facilities around downtown into Riverfront Park and into, into North Lawrence um, and I think it's the I had it written down as the riverfront and center presentation um and so i know steve's a member of that group as a as a as a, as a citizen and um we thought that uh, it was something that they presented to city staff and um, kind of thought when we were looking at our goals and objectives under the uh, goal of make transportation a part of the un- unique identity for lawrence that this um what they have uh, kind of came up with conceptually is a um something that would certainly meet meet that goal so it might be um something that's very very early uh conceptual idea that may may help get traction to not only uh, moving forward to finding a good connection of the lawrence loop but also how it connects to downtown and in north lawrence so we are uh, tentatively planning on having that on the june Agenda, um, most likely for the study session. And um, hopefully that's enough information, Steve. Did I pretty much kind of summarize that? Is there anything else that you'd like to mention on that? Oh, thing? just
7: yeah, briefly, I'd like to say that um, uh, we really want to have fun with this. This is um, something that. Um, a lot of advisory boards and this one don't get to do much, which is dream. Mm -hmm. And um, this is, um, um, it's that it's, it's looking ahead. It's big picture. It's hopefully presenting a vision of Lawrence that looks way down the road, Um, maybe way down the road and maybe not. But um, the idea is to, basically put decisions like where the Lawrence loop goes into the context of the culture in Lawrence and cultural amenities, not only downtown, but the many things that are going on in, in that area around city hall, such as the Robinson Park evolution and the, uh, the Red Rock, Um, evolution with the Kansas tribe and also the hanging memorial and just all kinds of things that are coming together down there that we wanted to look at in the context of the Lawrence Loop and bike and ped things. So um, come with an open mind, (laughs) come with an open mind and uh, hopefully we'll have a lot of fun with this. It's a, it's a really exciting presentation.
1: Thanks Steve. There's one thing that I would like to bring up. Um, I've been um, kind of tagging on to the suggestion made uh, in public comment about the bike theft issue and then also the, the Idaho stop or the bicycle safety stop and some reading that I've been doing about the big spike in thefts in 2020 all across the all across the nation and how cities are dealing with that and i would like us to, uh, at the next meeting just to discuss the possibility of you know looking at it uh adding a study session um and it also kind of ties in with you know with connectivity with other uh groups in the in the community my thought was something along the lines of uh maybe uh BAC and maybe a representative from the Lawrence bike club, um, you know, possibly city attorney in terms of looking at, you know, what the ability is to, to make changes and, and LPD, um, and, and possibly KUPD, um, but as a, as a study session on bike safety and security and, uh, you know, and look at both of those issues in terms of the safety stop and the, um, and the um, and bike theft and whether there are actions that you know that could be taken in the in the city to address those issues around around biking. So anyway, I'd like to you know I just wanted to throw that out there now for you to be thinking about, and I'd like to you know put it on the agenda for next month and and uh, you know any any additional thoughts that any of you would have about you know proceeding with a study session in that area and kind of what the scope would be and and who all might might be involved okay any other commission items okay i don't see any so uh, move on to the uh, calendar and goals
0: dave Dave prince engineer so kind of gave a preview of our uh, June study session item with the riverfront and center presentation, which I'm, uh, fairly certain we'll be slotting in, uh, for that, uh, meeting in June. Um, also we had, um, recommendation to approve the school area traffic control policy as an agenda item. Um, and that's gonna, uh, also include some of the, uh, data and discussion regarding the adult crossing guards that we've uh, talked about uh, back in March, I believe. Um, So those are the uh, items at this point. We're planning for June and we can also uh, uh, discuss bringing back maybe some information on that uh, bike, bike theft data and have a introductory discussion on that, maybe in June as well. In July we're um at this point planning on having the your turn form on equity and transportation. Um uh, we had one kickoff meeting um uh with staff and Commissioner Evans and Commissioner Critchlow um a couple weeks ago and uh we'll have another follow-up meeting here. We need to get scheduled um with some uh some of our partners at with the uh, health department. and and county and um, try to get um, that agenda for uh, July the 7th study session, that topic. So um, those are a couple of things that we're working on um, for June and July. Perfect.
1: Well, it looks like we've reached the end of our, (laughs) sorry that we've gone over, but we had a a lot to talk about tonight. So, um, um, if there's nothing else, I would entertain a motion to adjourn.
7: This is commissioner Evans. I'd like to make a motion that the meeting be adjourned.
4: Okay.
7: A second.
10: Uh, I'd like to second Gregory Kritzlow. Thank you.
1: Uh, All in favor, we can raise our hands. Looks like unanimous. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you uh, next month.